Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Movie Channel and our Star Wars Retrospective Podcast, where every Wednesday and every Saturday we'll be covering a new installment in the classic franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. Go to weirdgeeks.com to check out our other podcast series, Twitch streams, contact details, and news on our very own feature films that are currently in production through our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. Geeks! 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 Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geek Star Wars Retrospective Podcast, where twice a week we're taking you through all 10 theatrical Star Wars releases in the lead-up to Star Wars The Last Jedi, December 2017. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me on this journey is Alexander Chart. <laughs> no! 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 Hello. And, Christ- and Christina Masterson. Uh, hi. <laughs> Do you need to go? (laughs) (laughs) There might be a lot of impressions in this podcast. We made it. We're at the end of the prequels. Revenge of the Sith, 2005. I'd forgotten how much time passed between each of these prequels. I think it's because we live in the Disney world now, Star Wars, where once a year you have to get some new Star Wars lore. But yes, it was how it was. 99 to 2002, the first ones, wasn't it? And another three years until this one. Yeah, do you remember them being this far apart, Alex? Yeah, I do actually, because it it sort of basically went over the span of my like high school journey. Ah, oh, nice. Were you living a similar life to Anakin? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Where did that scar come from on your face? What's that about? You'll have to watch the Clone Wars. Oh, actually, it's not even in that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it. No, there. it's not. It's right. They'll make a movie about it, just about that that incident. But I was just, just about how he gets that scar. Sorry, Christina. <laughs> I, I was just thinking last night while I was watching Revenge of the Sith. Wouldn't mm-hmm. it be nice if I only had to watch a Star Wars movie once every three years, like they came out instead of every day? <laughs> hey, you signed up for the Sometimes wrong Sometimes twice a day. <laughs> Oh man. So this movie I remember by this point because yeah, I was I was nineteen when the first one came out. I was twenty five by the time this came out. I was in a very different part of my life. I wasn't hanging out with uni friends anymore. So I remember feeling quite disconnected by the time this one was out. I had hated Attack of the Clones and I wasn't excited for this. And so I didn't actually see it in the cinema. As far as I can remember. If I have, I've scrubbed it from my brain. I did buy it when it came out on DVD and attempted to watch it but this is the one that i keep saying to you guys i've never seen it the only star wars film i haven't made it through i was watching it this time and trying to find where's that point that i had got to and opted out of and i think i identified it and i'll try and point it out when we get to it but i have to say <laughs> i have a, a, a mission to make I think at some point I'd also tried to watch this movie, gone back to it going, no, I'm finally going to watch Revenge of the Sith. And I'd accidentally started watching Attack of the Clones. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Because I know for a fact at some point I tried to watch Revenge of the Sith and I stopped watching it at the point 
where you and McGregor was jumping out of cars, and now it's an attack of the clones. <laughs> <Not in rich. laughs> so as I'm watching this, I'm waiting for a similar thing to happen as happened in our last podcast, and it never happened. <laughs> so I was like, oh shit, at some point I got really confused and put in the wrong DVD. <laughs> <laughs> but I made it through this time. So Yay, congratulations. congratulations. That's pretty much my commentary. I'm not going to speak for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I made it through. <laughs> this film is higher rated than the other two on IMDb. 7.6 compared to the 6.5 and then 6.6. So it had been on an actually an up curve throughout the prequel series. Uh, Alex, do you remember the first time you saw this film? How did you feel initially? Yeah, I was really excited going in to see this one. I went to the premiere with my friend Nick. Have I mentioned him before? Never heard of him. Have I mentioned Nick? Yeah, so we went to see the, uh, <laughs> see the premiere. And actually... The time we went to see this one, there were so many fans that were like, I don't know if it was just the the cinema that we picked, but there were a lot of fans that had dressed up and were like in their full cosplay Star Wars gear. And prior to the film starting, a man or a young guy dressed as Han Solo proposed to his Princess Leia girlfriend at the front of the uh, movie theater. And all the like, all the like ultra, uh, super, super Star Wars fans were all like waving their lightsabers like yeah yeah because <laughs> uh, i feel that's a form of, of spouse abuse is to propose to someone amidst a mob of nerds is <laughs> possibly yeah, no. one of the most intimidating places you could get proposed <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like that yeah it was uh yeah nick and i i remember just being very amused by the kind of collective sort of nerd celebration it was like one of one of us is getting married. Yeah, <laughs> you made it. <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah, so I was super excited going in to see this one. It was always, and then since that point, it's always been my favorite of the prequels. And coming back to it this time, I think it's really clarified for me not just what I like about this film, but what I my feelings overall about the prequels, which I'll get into as we get through this podcast so yeah excellent christina i'm guessing you're new to this one as well yes good i had no idea <laughs> how we it ever you. existed <laughs> <laughs> well you're welcome and now i know it exists and now i know exists. it exists <laughs> that is all you can ask for after you've watched the movie to know it existed mm-hmm. okay so, directed again by George Lucas, written by George Lucas. No help on this one. Just went back to himself again. I'll do it by myself. <laughs> Starring Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, Hayden Christensen, Ian McDermott, Samuel L. Jackson, Jimmy Smith, Frank Oz, Anthony Daniels, Christopher Lee, and other people. Budgeted at $13 million, which is uh, the, uh, slightly less than the others, but I guess you have a lot of assets by this point. Because he's going to some of the same worlds, the same cities. They've already built these CGI models, so... Grossed three hundred and eighty million, uh, so it was higher than the second one, which was about three hundred fifty, but not as much as the first one, which I think we said capped out at like a billion eventually. But that that must be through a lot of re-releases. So it's called Revenge of the Sith, which is obviously because Return of the Jedi it was originally called Revenge of the Jedi, and people were upset about that and said you can't put revenge with Jedi, but with Sith it made perfect sense. So George Lucas was excited to get back to a title he had wanted to use for quite some time. The original cut ran at four hours long and a whole bunch of that, which we'll get to, is really from this opening act and we'll get to that when we get to it. But uh, there was over an hour of this opening 
act, basically, the rescue mission that they're in. So Hayden Christensen gained 24 pounds for this film. Uh, he ate six meals a day. What? Uh, to try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was an interesting choice. You can definitely see it when we have a kind of, when we revisit his nipple nightmare. You yeah, we do. He's, we he's return to the nipples. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that much back history on this one, to be honest. I was reading up about it, and there's a lot of stuff which he's a subject to, or it's just not that interesting. I don't know if you know anything in particular, Alex, for you with George Lucas and this one. Yeah, I, no. 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 <laughs> the one thing I do want to say, though, is so in the next episode of this, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Clone Wars from 2008, which was the lead-in to the CGI TV show that went on for six years. We'll be talking about that in the next one, and I'm going to touch on this again then. But there was Star Wars content between the Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And up until this point, Star Wars have been pretty simple. If you rule out the holiday special and the Ewoks movies, which you're both very lucky because I've since found out the Ewoks movies were given limited theatrical runs outside of America. So technically, we should be reviewing those, but thankfully we're not. What's that, Christina? You want to watch them? Oh, okay. Christina yeah, wants to watch them. Yeah, send it over. Send it over. The second one's basically like Willow, so um, I am actually going to be watching those again, and I will be talking about them when we get to a Star Wars wrap-up episode. I'm going to kind of like talk about some of the stuff we're not doing full episodes on. How many Ewok ones are there? There are two movies, but they are feature-length. My memories of them are very bad, but particularly the first one, which is called like Caravan of Truth, is it, or something? Caravan, Car- something. yeah, something like that. It's funny you mentioned Willow because that also stars. Um- Warwick Davis. Yes. Well, and George Lucas produced Willow. There you go. So it's very much the Ewok movies were like him leading up to Willow, basically. And how many holiday specials are there? Oh, just one. Okay. (laughs) They didn't do that again. Shucks. And a holiday special is very, very infamous as a legendary piece of crap, (laughs) which for a long time was impossible to find. But now, thanks to YouTube, you can watch the Star Wars Christmas special whenever you want to. So yeah, no, in between, in, uh, when did we say, 2002 was when Attack of the Clones ended. And as we're about to get into when we get into the story of this, we miss basically the entire Clone Wars because it starts at the end of Attack of the Clones. It's basically over by the time we come to Revenge of the Sith. And there was a miniseries which was 2D animated by Jendi Tataskovsky. He's the creator of Samurai Jack and also of Dexter's Lab who was a very cool inspired choice at that time i feel to do this and what they did I th- do you remember these alex i remember them vaguely as webisodes i feel i feel cut yeah i put them up yeah i can't uh, i mean i remember watching them i don't remember how they were distributed yeah so I remember these were like two to three minute segments uh there were two seasons of that 10 episodes each so basically collectively became about an hour's worth of content but And some of the episodes would continue a story from a previous episode, but they were literally just two, three minutes. And kind of the beauty of it was if you didn't like one, just wait two minutes and you'll be in a different story. <laughs> and they basically just hopped through the Clone Wars to different characters. They did two seasons like that, and then it did so well, they did a third season the third year, which was the year when this came out. And those were four episodes only at 15 minutes each. So what you end up with basically are two one-hour sort of mini-movies. I rewatched both of those yesterday. And they're really good. They, they're they actually, like, worth watching if you like Star Wars. They're uh, very stylistic, very Samurai Jack style. He's He's got such a cool 
way of directing stuff and way of directing action. It's preposterously silly. Like, the Jedis are massively overpowered and are just superheroes. But the first hour, which is just these two-minute ones, I think I prefer because it's just these nice little snippets of things happening um, around the universe. The second hour is actually what I would consider more useful to watch if you're going to watch Revenge of the Sith. And I have to say, I watch Revenge of the Sith and then I watch these. And I wish I'd done it the other way around because interesting. the second hour leads up a lot of stuff that we're going to get into. It shows you how Anakin becomes a Jedi Knight, which takes place between these two films, which I do feel is quite important. That you have this whole meeting with Yoda and the Jedi Council where they're, they're all dying, they're getting wiped out, and they need more Jedis, more Knights. So Obi-Wan actually says you should, we should just like forego the normal trials, the Jedi trials, and just anoint uh, Anakin as a knight now because he's already proven himself and he sort of names the trials of Jedi and says, well, he's already proven this and this battle, this and this battle, this and this battle. And the one that they kind of land on that he hasn't proven yet is an ability to, I've forgotten the word that they use, but it's basically to be able to control yourself, to be able to make sure, you know, he's proven all of his physical abilities, but it's one to be able to control your own emotions is kind of the one that he hasn't done yet. But Yoda decides that there's too few Jedi left and they need more Jedi Masters, so they just anoint him anyway. And I feel that's actually really important <laughs> to the story of these prequels, that they're all acknowledging, well, we don't, he's not ready yet, but we have to like progress him because we're in dire straits. Mm-hmm. This animation also shows you how C-3PO gets his gold armor and his weird sexy music plays when he takes off his clothes to show his gold armor. <laughs> I was wondering, like, why they didn't show that. It's really so. weird. It's like little sexy sacks. He's in, he's in a, literally in a back alley on an alien planet with Anakin and Padme who are making out in this back alley. <laughs> and he takes off his robes because they're like, let us see your new gold armor. And then the saxophone comes in and it's like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it's all sexy. And weird. It's really funny. The Clone Wars cartoon also introduces General Grievous, who is meant to be a big deal in this film, but we'll get to whether he is or isn't. But he's a lot of that cartoon. He's very much established in there. We also get to sort of see how Anakin gets his scar. We don't really. It does appear. Apparently in a 2004 comic actually shows how he got his scar. But it's from a battle that he is in in this cartoon series. And then to show someone's power, they basically scar him over his eye. And we also get a lot of backstory on these other Jedis that are strewn across the Clone Wars, which again we're going to get to in Revenge of the Sith. We don't see much of them in this, but they're really filled in uh, in this series to be kind of new heroes, new toys that you want to buy. And it literally leads directly into this. The very last image uh, of the original Clone Wars cartoon is this battle that we're about to start this movie with and taking you out of it. The camera like pans away to then feed you into this movie. But it's no longer canon. (laughs) Yeah, it's no longer canon. Like, it's no longer seen as canon. Weirdly, when they then did the Clone Wars again in 2008 as a CGI, that is deemed canon. The movie that we're watching next is deemed canon. But mm-hmm. Jendi Tartakovsky's one is not considered canon. And I'll be honest, I don't really understand why. I appreciate the Jedi a bit over, you know, they are overpowered in it. But I can't find anything story-wise that's contradictory. So I don't really see the problem. But Interesting. Whatever. If you enjoy Revenge of the Sith definitely check it out because i actually would say i would 
like the movie more if I'd seen this first because it definitely fills in back backstory. Anything else? Nope. That's about it. That's me done with my yapping. <laughs> Christina, before we get into the meat of this movie, can you do my favorite part of the podcast and take us through, please, the top 20 grossing movies of 2005 so we can understand where did Revenge of the... So let's just fill people in. Star Wars, number one film, every single year it's come out up until Attack of the Clones. Number, th- number three that year. So our question is, can Revenge of the Sith get back to the number one movie of the year? I guess we'll just have to wait and see in a couple seconds. Okay, number, wait, it's 20, right? That's the one. Okay, 20, Flight Plan. Oh, I like this movie. Oh, I don't know what it is. It's Jodie Foster. It's like a thriller on an airplane. But I actually think it's really good. Did she direct number that Number 19. No, I think... Fuck, I'm trying to remember who directed it. Hang on. I need to know now. <laughs> I used to... Re- yeah, everyone... No one really liked this movie, and I really did. It was it was one of my... Robert Schwentk. Don't know who he is. Oh, yeah. Robert Schwentk, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he directed The Time Traveler's Wife and Insurgent. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Okay, number 19. <laughs> The 40-year-old the virgin. No, I was looking it up to see if I've seen it. I haven't seen it. But the 40-year-old... I can't talk this morning. The 40-year-old virgin. I have seen. Yay. Yay. That was a good movie. Why is it only 19? Well, that was Judd Apatow's... I think that was Judd Apatow's first movie, wasn't it? Because he was just doing TV shows before that point. So good. Yeah, I think so. I still think it's probably his best, so. too. Well, yeah, it's a little long. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> he was still making series, but just for the cinemas. <laughs> yeah. Okay, number eighteen. Fun with Dick and Jane. What? Jim Carrey. Yeah. I don't know. Oh my god! Yes. I know. I never saw this. I forgot all about that movie. Uh, seventeen. The Pacifier. Vin oh, that Diesel. was Vin Diesel, wasn't it? Doing mm. his like. Kindergarten cop, basically, movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number 16, Walk the Line. Right, right. Whacking with the guy whose name I'm not allowed to pronounce <laughs> on this podcast. Whacking Phoenix. Mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. good. Number 15, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Robots. Oh, was yeah, that, that was CGI. CGI. Like, yeah, CGI animated movie. I think it was DreamWorks and it really bombed. It didn't yeah. Work. Yeah. But it made number 16, I guess. Number 15, actually. Well, number 14. Know, Chicken Little. Oh, that was quite good. That was Disney. Mm. CGI. Number 13. Before Pixie and Disney had kind of like become the same thing, basically. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Memories. <laughs> Number thirteen, Fantastic Four. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> this is a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> Number twelve, The Longest Yard. Oh Jesus! That was Matthew McConaughey, isn't it? In that and Bruce Willis. I'll just that, take your word no, for it. No, no, no! The Longest Yard up. was Adam Sandler, wasn't it? It's the Nine Yards. And then the ten was it the nine? Oh, uh, this has this has Adam Sandler in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think it's called the Nine Hole Yards is the one with Matthew McConaughey. Not Matthew McConaughey. What am I talking about? Matthew Matthew Perry. fucking Perry. Oh, this is yeah, Adam Sandler and Chris Rock. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Number 11, mm-hmm. Hitch. Oh, Bit of Will, Will Smith. Smith. Yeah, yeah. Eva Mendes. Yeah, yeah. That was a big movie. Number 10. Infamous Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Oh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Mm hmm. From the director of Swingers. Who are no longer Mr. and Mrs. Smith. No, No, they're not. That's where it all happened, wasn't it? Yeah, that's where it started. In City of Industry. That's a TV show, that as well, apparently, wasn't there? Or a pilot, at least, that went out. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, yeah. Something like that. Number nine, Madagascar. Mm, one of the most confusing animated films I've ever seen. Oh, good. I've never seen it. <laughs> they raise, they lit, they get really deep in, because there's all these animals hanging out as friends, and then they get deep into the food chain argument of, hang on, but this friend is meant to eat this friend because they're part of the food chain. It's like, don't make kids <laughs> think about this. It's so unnecessary. And really, just like, I think it's arguably the most complicated question of mankind is should we be eating other animals and if so like which ones and they really try and sort of get into it but in a humorous tomfoolery way i think kids let, should let think kids about that decide. though i think they should but not the movie just dealt with it in a very inappropriately weird way but anyway just, yeah. well i won't watch it <laughs> good Pro- protest <laughs> number eight <laughs> it's a bit late but okay <laughs> batman begins that's the one with uh, Christian Bale and Katie Holmes. Oh, if yeah, you didn't know. <laughs> Thanks for filling it in. <laughs> yeah, this was actually, this came out, I think, the same week as Fantastic Four, which was such a juxtaposition for where comic book movies were about to go to. It was like the dumb, <laughs> dumb, horrible, brightly colored cartoon version of Fantastic Four and then this adult Batman movie, which, exciting times. Mm. Number seven. <laughs> Dramatic pause. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No, oh, I hate this film. No, I hate it. No, ah. I hate it nope. so much. <laughs> we don't accept that movie. Okay, let's pass by then. Number six, Wedding Crashers. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. That was. Good. I mean, I haven't seen yeah. it in like ten years, but I liked it at the time. That's with Adam Sandler too, right? Nope. No, no, no. Vince Vaughn and Owen yeah. Wilson. Oh, yeah, that and one. Christopher Walken. Yeah. Plays yeah, the yeah. dad. Yep. Yeah. It <laughs> it's been a long time since I saw that movie. Number five, King Kong. King oh. Kong. Oh, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah. Didn't like it. You know what this means? That also means that this must be the uh, rough week or month, at least, when the Xbox 360 was launched because they launched with King Kong, the official game the same time the movie came out mm. that was a long long movie talking about like 40 year old virgin being long king kong was yeah really long yeah it was really long. well we're in the time of long movies then i mean i remember even the wedding crashes was really long but we're in the midst we just finished all the lord of the rings and i think people thought movies all needed to be three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> what wedding crashes was not three hours was it no, no, it was over two though. It was a long movie. Uh, like comedies of that era were just way too long. I'd argue they're still too long. I, I think comedies f- need to be nineteen. Yeah, but I never felt forty-year-old version was too long because I enjoyed it. Too many jokes. 
All right. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> okay, number four. War of the Worlds. Tom Cruise. So this is what Spielberg was working on while Lucas... He's at, they were working together kind of thing. Mm. And uh, he Spielberg used a lot of Lucas's resources that he was building up for these prequels, all of the digital technology that he was doing. Um, and apparently he would go on set of this film, of Revenge of the Sith, to learn how to use the technology right for War of the Worlds. Hmm. I actually didn't mind we'll get... uh, this War of the Worlds. Yeah. Mm. I like it up until the ending, which I thought was horrible because it uh, all just yeah. suddenly ends. Like, yeah. just suddenly it's like, oh no, everything's okay. <laughs> which really pisses me off when you have a big apocalyptic movie and then there's just like a wipe, you know, there's just like a delete button basically and everything's okay again. They, they That'd got be a nice, cold. right? <laughs> they caught I wish cold. we could use that button now. <laughs> yeah. If you go to Universal Tour in LA, they have a cool new War of the Worlds segment there with like the plane ripped apart and stuff that you go through. Mm. It's, it's good fun. Number three, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Oh, so we're on to number four at that point. So we're into the into the better Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're starting to get a bit darker. The kids are getting yeah. older. Yep. She Hermione's still awful. <laughs> <laughs> number two <laughs> the chronicles of narnia the lion the witch and the wardrobe i don't know why but i've recently just watched this again really i've never seen any of the lion yeah. and wardrobe films it made more money than harry potter that year yeah i mean yeah that's crazy wow it made a million more a million oh, point seven. Okay. A million point seven. I guarantee you the sequel was far, far lower than the next Harry Potter movie. Because I think everyone went to Lion the Witch because they knew Lion the Witch, you know, from their childhoods and mm. were all excited about it. And then people were pretty disappointed in those movies, in those Jesus films. Is it a Jesus film? No, wait. Oh, it's the, a very they're Christian they're, film. I thought they're the... Aren't they there? Oh, yeah, no, they are the Jesus films. Yeah, no, right. they're, they're the Christian films. They're very, they're, pur- no, it's extremely Christian messaging, like very purposeful Christian. What's the uh, other one that's like the. The anti. Yeah. Well, technically Harry Potter, because anyone who's Christian isn't allowed to watch Harry Potter because it contains magic. I know. So isn't that who's Catholic, crazy? I, I had a friend that couldn't watch it because of her Christian family. Oh, the Golden yeah. Compass you're talking about, Alex. And the I was just Compass, like, run, run. Yeah, yeah, I remember when I was in school, a Christian friend was like, "That's crazy." Gone. Harry Potter's bad. It's turning kids into witches and wizards. And I was like, "It's make believe. It's it's like they're using their imagination." <laughs> and there's so many. Yeah, I've met a bunch of people in the Midwest who can't watch it because there's magic in it. And it's, and you go through all the other things they're watching, and it's like, where is this line of when something's magic and when it isn't magic? It's like, it's and so what's ridiculous. wrong with magic? <laughs> That's what Queen said. <sighs> what have we got? Where are we at? How many more? Number one. Oh, so it has to be then. Or is it even in here? Who knows? Or maybe to make it to the top 20. <laughs> <laughs> I think it didn't make it. Number one, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Back. I but can't. weirdly, it's back with not much more money than the last one. So I guess it was just a slightly smaller year for films. I guess there was no there was no Lord of the Rings or or uh, what was the other film last time that was surprised that was Spider Man beat it out last time. I mean Jeez. this Spidey. This one got about 
a hundred million thousand more dollars than number two. Oh, seriously? Chronicles wow. of Narnia in the box office. Wow. That's a so lot. It was, hang on. So it's Star Wars, Chronicles of Narnia, and then Harry, Harry Potter. Potter is the mm-hmm. top three. Wow. That's some um, hijinks, epic adventure kid movies in a row. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Kids right. rule. Thank you very much, Christina. <laughs> Adults <Kids> rule. rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, play it safe. Alex, you've had Hello. the joyous task of documenting <laughs> this movie for us to go through. Thank God you're, you're doing it and not you're me. You. And I've been really enjoying this series, not having to do it. And I'm aware that. Yeah, we're about to start on our Child's Play one, and I've got to start writing those writing those stories down. But I'm feeling Child's Play is going to be slightly simpler than the plots that we're going to get in Star Wars. Uh, Alex, see if I'm right or wrong. Can you take us through Revenge of the Sith, please? I certainly can. <sighs> so we start with our opening logos and then to the crawl. And as has been the theme in the prequels, the, the crawls tend to be very focused on the politics of the whole film. Just start with... You- War! Oh, sorry. There you go. You have written it down. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it down as so. And we find out that the Republic is crumbling under ruthless attacks by Count Dooku and the Separatists. Roman says there are heroes on both sides and evil is everywhere. And then we find out there's a droid leader, the fiendish droid leader, General Grievous, who's swept into the Republic capital, Coruscant, and kidnapped Palpatine as they're trying to flee. It says two Jedi Knights lead a desperate mission to rescue the captive Chancellor, which opens our film, a giant dogfight, massive battle with Star Destroyers and droid droid ships engaging in a massive star battle. And we follow two fighters who we find out Anakin and Obi-Wan as they like zoom in and out. Immediately, my thought was the CG is much better right off the bat. Oh, I thought it was worse. <laughs> I mean, it looks super. It looks it looks very cartoony, but I mean, it's way yeah. better than Attack of the Clones. That's exactly. It looks very cartoony. Do or like so an older of- video game. All right. Some context. I was here with. Um, I was recording a bunch of podcasts in a row when I watched this, and my friends who were in Tamro, uh, friends of the show who've been some other podcasts, they came over uh, to record a weekly podcast with me. And they were just waiting around. They very kindly then just did the podcast quickly. And I was like, I'm really sorry, guys. I've now got to watch Rented straight away. And they were like, all right, we'll hang out and watch it with you because that's a good one. We like this one. And I was like, really? You like? Do you like the prequels? And they said, yeah, all the prequels are actually all right. But this one's definitely the best one. Like, this is definitely the best one. And I, and I hadn't seen it at this point. But just coming off of how much I was loathing Attack of the Clones, I was really wary getting into Rent Sith. And I said to them, when was the last time you saw any of these prequels? And they thought about it and they were like, I guess 10 years ago or something. I was like, yeah, okay. Let's watch this movie <laughs> and see how you feel. So I'm sitting there watching it with them. And I will throughout this podcast remark on a few of the interactions that happened with Haruka and Tamro <laughs> uh, as they revisited this journey. But right from the beginning, they're immediately really quiet. And they turn to each other and say basically what you said, Christina, which is like, oh my God, the CGI looks really bad. And I turned to them and I said, this looks fucking great compared to Attack of the Clones. Yeah. I was like, because you have this opening crawl, which is, I think, the worst opening crawl in any of the Star Wars movies so far. It looks like notes George Lucas just put on a pad and then forgot to actually write out properly. (laughs) And then after it, you're launched into this battle 
and it just feels like you're immediately in action you're immediately in fun and i'm not loving fun? it but it's uh, well just like people having fun <laughs> like in the previous film i didn't see anyone enjoy themselves once and in this they seem to be enjoying themselves while they're doing you know all these battles and stuff there's some of that trying to get back to that star wars kind of charisma mm-hmm. and it's not working as well as the originals but i'm at least appreciating where it's coming in at. and for sure i think i think the effects are much better than attack of the clones so. <laughs> yeah because that's it like i don't think you can hold them up to effects now but if you just put it in that sort of context of the effects of the prequels mm-hmm. like, and the last one it just seems way more cohesive and and even if it is cartoony like it is but at least it's done to a certain degree that is better and more engaging and so yeah maybe it was like the world that they were fighting in i didn't really like like i really enjoyed the city in the last one but this one we'll get into those worlds for sure so yeah so they're they're flying through across all these starships at one point buzz droids envelop obi-wan's ship anakin tries to shoot them off um and he does this like daring move where he just rams into obi-wan's ship and gets the buzz droids off and then r2 attacks one um, and then at some point they crash into the command ship um after disabling the shields the command ship that's holding the chancellor and they crash into it and spring out and kill the droids that are there and at this point they sense that the dooku's on board and that they're um and i think anakin says it's a trap uh, this is a trap and obi-wan like has another one of his quips where he's like well let's spring the trap or something like that <laughs> and they go looking. good writing yeah, and they and they go looking. They always give Obi Wan like all those kind of like sassy yeah. little quips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but Which, from a very like upper class English colonization kind of way. <laughs> like yeah, they're not yeah. actually they're not sassy in a modern way. Yes, yeah, so they go looking for the Chancellor. At this point, we cut to General Grievous, who we see for the first time. He's the leader of the Droid Army, and he is part sort of creature, part droid part machine who has a really bad cold actually has a bad cough like has uh, (laughs) struggles to breathe i think you can see at one point he has reptilian eyes but other than that not much flesh i remember when this film came out i think it was george lucas was talking that that grievous was meant to be like a precursor to to vader of like that half Mm. man half machine or half like fleshy creature half machine and sort of like a very rudimentary version of that as you can see because he's like super clunky and and his armor isn't very like it's very exposed mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's definitely meant to be a like yeah the version before to try and make you accept when they get to vader mm-hmm. I uh, but i find it and yeah and the cough that you're mentioning apparently there's a number of reasons for this like it was partly George Lucas had a really bad cold on set, so they recorded his cough and <laughs> literally his real cough and put it onto this character. But then it is actually filled in in the Clone Wars that I was talking about before. Uh, they rip out, they meet him before he's a big villain in that, and they rip out a panel from his chest and it develops this cough for him because he's missing this part of his respiratory system. Oh, Interesting. So it's literally, that's what I mean. There's a lot of stuff right at the beginning of this I'm finding strange now because it feeds directly into that now non-canon cartoon series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Grievous is like such a big deal in that. I would have been way more excited to see him here if I had that build up to him. Instead, he's just kind of, all right, it's another CGI droid. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like suddenly he's the leader of this droid army without kind of much context to mm-hmm. where he came from and who he is. And we're in a lot of slapstick humor here. Like there's a lot of stuff with R2 and the robots yeah. like sliding over, the stuff with the fire that he does. It's all oh like, my God, it's so, yeah. It's very slapstick. Yeah. I was about to get into that where it was like talk what you were saying about. I just put WTF, R2, oil <laughs> yeah. fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I think it's like it's like you were saying, Alex. They're trying to kind of, I think, recapture some of that energy and some of that charisma that's in the originals. But it it like almost goes too far, like with the slapstick stuff. Almost. I mean, yeah. and then you know when R two's hiding, and then he could hear the the, the droids could hear Anakin and uh, Obi Wan talking to him. Mm-hmm. Did the talk? Did the droids ever talk before? Those droids. I don't think I've not ever like heard that. Them. Yeah. That not was like weird. that. No, no. Like Wait, it would have been better if it was like droid talk. You know what I mean? Right. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. The Alex? two the two bad uh, droids that are like talking. communicating with each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When they hear when R2 is trying to hide. Again, yeah. very seriously, <laughs> this is because of the cartoon show. In the cartoon show, those droids develop personalities and they're these big comedy elements in those cartoon shows. They're mm-hmm. giving full sentences and conversations and they're really like, they're just played for humor in the okay. cartoon show. Because, yeah, it came off a little goofy when they, Grievous, I felt like it was a little goofy when I first met, I mean, when he first showed up in this episode. Yeah, because yeah. previously in the other ones, all they've said is like, Roger, Roger. That's about it, really. Mm, I, mean, I see. <laughs> Whereas now they're yeah, now they've given him these like you know, sort of critiquing. dopey personalities. Yeah, it's yeah. it's straight from the cartoon show. It's very strange that nothing, they don't set up anything. They just presume you are watching that, basically. Uh, yeah. So we have that whole sequence where they're going up the elevator and trying to escape, and R two's helping them and lights the oil fire and flies off. Like I said in the last <laughs> podcast, I hate. I've never liked these sort of reveals of R two having abilities or things that weren't weren't (laughs) in the originals and then it looks like because r2 was you know they built an actual you know thing in the originals and then when you see him in cgi just it's really jarring for me Mm -hmm. well yeah i read about this apparently because and no who's the guy who plays r2 kenny baker on his name Kenny Baker. So they wanted him to still be credited as R2 in all of these films. So they built an R2 unit and they have him in each of these films. He's in one shot in the unit. The rest of it's always CGI because they wanted to do it all CGI, but they just wanted him to still be credited. Oh, man. Okay. And this was this was not that shot, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) So Obi-Wan and Anakin finally get to the command bridge where the Chancellor is in a chair looking at the battle and he does his like little spin around this time i think the chair works and he doesn't do it with his feet <laughs> but his hands are cuffed count dooku appears and and anakin says like we'll do it together this time because obviously last time he just ran into it all brash and cocky and the chancellor says something like he's going to be too strong for you and obi-wan has another little quip where he's like sith lords are our speciality like it's a chinese takeaway restaurant yeah are they really still falling for the chancellor this is my first note here is like seriously 
Like, can they stop insulting us? <laughs> I know what really you guys were talking leave? about now. I know now. <laughs> Before, I was like, I'm not so sure what they're talking about. But now I know. I paid a little bit more attention and I know right away. Did it, become, <laughs> did it become clearer in this one for you or in Attack of the Clones? No, it became obvious. Okay. Oh, but like, and also in retrospect, uh, like looking back, okay. like actually just thinking about it. Be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, the Jedi's, Jedi's don't have time to think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just good. I mean, can't they feel it? It's like Alex you know? was saying in the last podcast, they're getting away with a lot with this whole, oh, we're not as powerful as we mm -hmm. used to be. So they just kind of try and get away with it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they engage in a battle with Dooku. Again, like in Attack of the Clones, I personally find it very jarring in the kind of more wide shots of Dooku where you can clearly see that Christopher Lee's head is CGI'd onto the, the stunt performer doing the sword fighting. So and then they cut to those close-ups of him, like, going, woo, waving his lightsaber in front of his face. This is the second moment Haruka and Tambro are just like, they just, what, what, what just happened? <laughs> 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 he becomes like a little CGI character and just leaps off of that platform. It's just, yeah. oh, it's horrible. I do got to say, though, Anakin is a lot less annoying in this one so far. Yeah. You yeah, know, he's a little bit. For sure. You do feel... Like, he's a little bit more mature, and he's just a little less, like, annoying, I guess. Is what and I think so far. from the get-go, so <laughs> even in this first bit, they're trying to build a sort of a stronger kind of bond and camaraderie between him and Obi-Wan. For right? sure. Yeah. In this sort no, of they sense feel more like peers. Yes. It yeah. feels like, it does feel more like, again, they're trying to get back to the original Star Wars vibe, which is strange, and it's hopefully it'll be about the last time i have to mention it because everything else has been set up from that cartoon show but anakin in that cartoon show is a complete dick like a complete dick he's even worse than he is in any of the other films he's so surly and moany and grumpy and so it is nice to see him here yeah he's, he's not like that at all he's a lot a lot more affable and acting a little yeah. bit better as well yeah, which is interesting because like i think not to jump the gun a bit but in the clone wars series the the 3d cg one i thought he they make him more likable in that one. Oh yeah he's lovely in that yeah. show but we'll get to that next episode yeah, we'll he's very that. different character in that yeah show. um so anyway they go into a battle with dooku and at different points in the battle it cuts to like close-ups of the emperor like cheering and like getting excited and pumped <laughs> about it dooku overpowers and knocks out obi-wan and then pins him with the force like with a part of their command bridge one of the worst shots of the entire yeah film. it was really very, bad very bad shot so bad <laughs> but anakin who dooku says his powers have doubled since they last met overpowers dooku grabs his lightsaber and slices off both of dooku's hands and then like cross swords dooku with the blades at his neck and anakin sort of standing there and the emperor well he's not the emperor at this point but the chancellor in a very I'm the emperor kind of way, tells him to kill him. Do it. And says, do, do it. it. Do when it. see Anakin's conflicted because it's not the Jedi Anakin way. Anakin goes, I shouldn't. Yeah, he says, I shouldn't. <laughs> I want to, but I shouldn't. Yeah, the emperor, fuck the emperor. The chancellor says, do it. <laughs> and he does. And the chancellor praises him. 
and says it was revenge and he knows that this isn't the first time that Anakin does that and then there's like a very obvious Tuscan Raider sound uh, when he says that yeah oh, it's yeah. so funny yeah it's so funny and it becomes weird because we're missed out on this whole history that clearly the two of them have been hanging out talking yeah. to each other mm-hmm. and we've missed all of that like they're really is just hoping we'll get on board with no these two are good friends now yeah you know? yeah mm-hmm. yeah and the, yeah, the chancellor has had like a huge sort of influence on him Anakin goes to rescue Obi-Wan and the Emperor's like, no, oh, fuck, I keep saying the Emperor. He's not the Emperor yet. The you Chancellor. can do it. Just call him the Emperor. It's yeah, fine. because, I mean, that's, he really just shows his evilness right there. It's just kind of like all like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's very obvious at that point. So he tells Anakin to leave Obi-Wan and Anakin's like, he will have the same fate as us. So he takes him. And then we go into this like I know, giant... leave Obi-Wan? Like, yeah. yeah, like fuck him. He's like, no, he's, he's no, I don't want to leave him. No, I'll just him. leave him. Ah, nah, we'll take him. Up until this point, where this is where uh, the original cut was over an hour to get to this point. That's insane. I like, even yeah, thought it was already long. It's very long. So this whole <laughs> next sequence that we get into basically has the Jedi and uh, Palpatine go up to the command bridge where they confront Grievous and his guards and they have a big sort of battle grievous smashes a window and escapes and it manages to get into an escape pod at this point the ship is being attacked by republic destroyers which like basically blow it to shit and it starts to plummet towards the earth and splits in half and anakin because he's such an amazing pilot and jedi (laughs) is able to to save it um as it's like plummeting like this giant fireball uh, and to Coruscant, he's able to land it while these fire ships, as it's like coming into Earth, start spraying it with these really with weak water. little yeah. water pistols. <laughs> yeah. I do really like the shot of them uh, when they're coming in through the atmosphere. I think it's actually really, that's one shot yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. And yeah, like they're, um, yeah, what, did you notice there's a robot in that scene when they're on the ship having that conversation who like walks by them while they're having a serious conversation? And then suddenly a robot just walks by and just goes, uh, excuse me. And then just goes, That's you're right. welcome. <laughs> it's yeah. really weird. <laughs> yeah, I've just got a note down here just saying, I've now accepted that we're in a cartoon parody of Star Wars. Mm. But my question is, oh, am I having fun, basically? And I've mm-hmm. written down, at the moment, I'm not really having fun, but it's not painful. So I guess that's an improvement over Attack of the Clones. For sure. That's where I'm at. At, this at point. that moment, I, I was just so bored. Yeah, wow. Really, already? Yeah. Already? Yes. Like, whatchamacallit, episode one, I was angry. Mm -hmm. Episode three. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) Just bored. And episode episode two, two, I I loved episode two. Loved it. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite. Why Anakin looks so emo, though, I'm finding it distracting. His hairstyle's, like, very greased. And he's just like, I feel like he's just one he, step away from wearing eyeliner. I like that, though. Well, it does it for you, Kristen. <laughs> um, I like that his hair's longer. He does look more, you know, wild, which I think suits his character yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. But he looks very model wild, not, you know. It's not his fault wild. he's handsome. <laughs> <laughs> that hair takes at least two hours in the morning to get to look like that. No, he wakes up like that, Al. Come on. Do you guys think that giving him the darker kind of clothes is just too obvious? Like too obvious of a, oh, he's got some darker things going on. true. 
They did make all, but I mean, they made everything really obvious in this one. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. everything's too Nothing obvious. Nothing was, in this movie. yeah, especially the. And that's the what I mean. Chancellor. I've accepted. I've accepted we're in a cartoon parody, so it's like no, for a cartoon, it's not too obvious at all. Mm-hmm. It's right on. Mm-hmm. It's right on what they should be doing. He's dressed him in black clothes. Have yep. the the emperor acting like the emperor from yeah. page one, but mm-hmm. no one seems to notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything is just very much. Here's all the information. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So we we get back to Coruscant. We have, I think they are. Yeah, they arrive at the Senate. Now there's a little Easter egg here where there's like a wide shot of the Senate, and you can see the Millennium Falcon uh, like zooming in and landing. So who would have this? Because this wouldn't be Lando or Han Solo, because they're like ten or something at this point. I think this is just a little. Let's put it in. Because they'll never oh, you make mean it sequels. didn't mean anything? Yeah. <laughs> but um, Lucas never does that. Yeah, exactly. So Obi-Wan says that he's going to go to the council and that Anakin deserves all the glory in front of the Senate. And the Senate decides that they're going to, even though they've got the Chancellor and Duke is dead, they have to continue this war for the sake of the next two hours that we still have in this film. God. So they say they're going to continue this war until they have Grievous. And once Grievous is caught or dead, then... That'll be it, basically. Anakin has a little chat with Bail Organa and then sees Padme hiding behind a pillar. And we get some more of the classic sort of Padme and Anakin romantic talk oh. that we yeah, had from Attack of the Clones. Yeah, finally. Oh. Not yeah, so boring. <laughs> where she talks that she feared he had been killed and he says that he's tired of this lie that they're living and he doesn't care if the Jedi Council know. And then Padme reveals that she's pregnant. And Anakin's Please. overjoyed and says not to worry and that it's the happiest moment of his life. Please, 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 Christina, the dialogue in this scene. What? So this is the moment when Haruka and Tamro both turn to me and are like, I'm like, I'm done. Tamro started to go to sleep at this point. <laughs> he just lay down <laughs> prone, <laughs> opted out. Haruka just got another drink because like, I need some alcohol <laughs> to help me through this. <laughs> the literal dialogue here is... Which way around is it? I think it's her saying to him, no, him saying to her, you're so beautiful. Then she says, it's because I'm so in love. And then he that's says, no, right, yeah. it's because I'm so in love. No, that with was you. later on when they were on the balcony or something and they were staring yeah, at but each it's other. Like, that's later on. Oh, it's fucking. Oh, yeah, I mean, come on. Changed. After you watch the last one, it's not as bad. <laughs> oh, it's awful. It's just <laughs> no. as bad. And what's worse, and the, we're going to keep getting to this throughout this whole the film. The last one, it just felt so wrong, you know? This one, at least they seem a little, like, more uh, on the same wanna, level. I want them to throw up into each other's mouths in this one. <laughs> and, <laughs> and throughout all of this movie, I cannot believe what they've done to Natalie Portman. In the first film, she's this cool... Like, she's almost like how in Force Awakens, like, Rey is. You know, like, she's, she's sort of undercover, cool, you know, like, uh, pretending not to be the queen, you know, getting into dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. The second one, she kicks fucking ass and she's yeah. battling people in coliseums. And this one, she's immediately, oh, I'm pregnant. And then starts talking about, I've picked out a beautiful place for us to live and I'm going to wallpaper it and I'm going to paint the floors. And, gonna, and she's just become <laughs> a wife and it's horrible. She's become a 1950s American wife. And I don't know what the fuck they've done with Amidala. It's just, it's horrible yeah. how they've treated her character. Yeah. And Natalie Portman's come out to say that this is her favorite one of the three prequels. 
And I can only presume... But why? It, it's because she's not in it much. And as an actor, maybe <laughs> you don't like seeing yourself in a film. Because her character is undeniably terrible in this. They didn't like, give her much at all. She does you nothing. Know? She does yeah. absolutely nothing at all. I wanted to see her a lot more. Because, you know, once you're pregnant, know your place. <laughs> don't have fun <laughs> or adventures or <laughs> any aspirations. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Buy your house and shut up. You gotta protect the babies. Oh, hated it. <laughs> yeah, so once we find out she has a baby, we cut to Grievous, who's landing on a planet called Utapau. It's like a cavernous, canyon-filled planet with all these like primordial beasts flying around. Uh, he has a moment where he communicates with Sidious, um, who tells him to move the Separatist leaders who are on Utapau to Mustafa, a volcanic, lava-filled planet. He says the war is almost over, and soon he will have a new apprentice. Ooh, who could it be? We cut back to Padme, um, back on Coruscant, who's with Anakin, and says that she wants to have a baby in Naboo, in the lake country, where they could be safe and no one will know. And I think this is the bit, Christina, that you mentioned, where it's like, I'm in love with you. No, I'm in love with you, or whatever he says. I'll um, mention that one. <laughs> But you corrected him as to where it happens. Because I'm so in love. No, it's because I'm so in love with you. Does it make you blind? And and this is where we returned to uh, Anakin's nipples and nightmares. Yeah. I think think you'll find on the DVD this chapter is called Nipples and Nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, Christina, you said in the other ones that you weren't finding, because I said objectively Hayden Christensen's a handsome boy. But I don't think there's anything attractive about of him about him because of his character. And you agreed in the previous ones. Are you finding him attractive in this film now? I mean, this one you really can't deny his his handsomeness. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just and he's, he's just not dickish as, enough. He's not as childlike too in this one. Like the other one, I really yeah. felt like oh, he's just so young, and oh, he looks just like he looks like a baby. Like I can't. But this one, I'm like, yeah, I can. He's a real (laughs) bad boy. (laughs) Yeah, you can. Yeah, why not? (laughs) Why not? Young ones can be fun. Who's now bulked up, as we were just saying, and and nipply, who's in the bed having another nightmare. He's dreaming of Padme. The dream is weird, though, right? Like the face, like Padme's face with like a gray swirl around it. Yeah. I don't so know. It was weird. So he's dreaming like, of Padme. She's crying and in pain. And as you said, it's kind of weird. And you just <laughs> assume at this point that it is during childbirth. <laughs> or conceiving. We're not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Atticus goes to meditate. And Padme senses that something's bothering him. And she wants him to be honest. And so he shares his dream and he's like, I don't want it to become real. And she's like, well, maybe Obi-Wan can help us. And Anakin doesn't want Obi-Wan to help. He's like, no, Obi-Wan is not helping us. I don't think those are the actual words, but it's probably not far off with George Lucas. That's it. Verbatim. (laughs) Like, nah. (laughs) No, we don't need Obi-Wan. None of it. (laughs) So then Anakin 
in the next scene is with Yoda and they're like in a meditation room and he asks Yoda about his premonitions and about death and pain and Yoda warns him that fear of loss is a path to the dark side and death is a part of life and that we should celebrate when someone becomes one with the force and Anakin has to learn and, and actually this is if we had seen those Clone War things like you had said Al this ties into that last kind of thing that he had to learn and it's like Yoda says Anakin has to let go of everything he fears to lose so he like has to control his learn how to control his emotions basically or go see a doctor or see a doctor they apparently don't have doctors (laughs) in this universe or use protection (laughs) (laughs) but if you're you're having if you're worried about oh my wife might have problems with miscarriage do you not go see a medical expert? I don't. I don't. Not, there's not even one scene. It's never even a notion of talking to anybody. It's immediately, no, my only option is resurrection from death. Yeah. <laughs> That's the God. jump he makes. Yeah. From bad dream to resurrection of death. Yeah, There's no <laughs> bridge there. <laughs> Let's get you to a doctor. Let's just check everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah. See if there's any I mean, you know, sure, if you have to go to the dark side and do resurrection from death, sure. But it's probably cheaper and less time consuming just to check with the doctor first. Mm -hmm. Because you might say, Sith side, not necessary. Take these tablets, it'll all be fine. Yeah, there you go. You heard that from our white (laughs) medical expert. (laughs) Yeah. So then Obi Wan comes back and I think is having a chat with Anakin and he tells him that the Senate is giving more powers to the Chancellor and Obi-Wan tells Anakin to be careful around Palpatine who is requested to see Anakin and then we have a moment with Palpatine and Anakin where he Palpatine tells Anakin that he hopes Anakin can trust him and he like has this sort of aside thing where he calls him son I remember at the time people were like oh my god is Palpatine his father and uh that was sort of the discussion or whether oh, Palpatine yeah. had conjured through the force to make Shmi Skywalker have Anakin all this sort of stuff. I remember those it is heavily like implied here. Like, it is heavily implied. Like, he's meant to be this, yeah, immaculate conception, which is not possible. So how, like, it is definitely implied, I feel, that he had some... Influence. Yeah, like, influence on the conception of mm-hmm. Anakin. Is this the conversation they're having at the opera, or is this later? No, not yet. This is just in Palpatine's office. So yeah, Palpatine at this point tells Anakin that he wants Anakin to be his eyes, ears, and voice of the Republic. So he wants Anakin to be his personal representative on the Jedi Council. But Anakin has his doubts, and Palpatine's like, they need you more than you know. Uh, So that we cut to the Council, and Yoda's like, we don't want to allow this move. But then they allow it. And he says something like that. I remember it was kind of weird and contradictory. Yeah. Like, this isn't a good move. We don't want it. But then he's like, but we he's will basically allow like, I've, I've already said we shouldn't do this. All right, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> basically, it's so weird. So they allow him on the council, but they don't grant him the rank of master. Now, they know this kid is volatile. <laughs> just, <laughs> just give him a break. <laughs> I know. It's like... Honestly, he was such a sweet kid when we first met him. And ever since he was a kid, they've been telling him, oh, he's a bad one. He's a bad seed. He's going to go to the dark side, blah, 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 blah. So he grew up being fed that he's this evil thing. 
You don't think he's going to turn into an evil thing? Like maybe if they were nice to him and positive, maybe he wouldn't have gone to the dark side, you know? Well, that's the like big argument in the like context of sort of Star Wars lore is that were the Jedi too dogmatic and just as extreme in their views as the Sith? And then that's where the birth of the gray Jedi comes into it but and for for more in that discussion watch mindhunter and netflix there you go really what <laughs> yeah, that show yeah, is all about yeah. Yeah. i like that idea though i really i do like that they do raise that a few times in these prequels and i think it's a good interesting thing that they could get into a lot more and they really shirk around and they're kind of scared to deal with the meat of it but yeah exactly what you're saying christina of like are the jedi responsible for this like it mm-hmm. is it's the extremism of the Jedi's viewpoints just as cumbersome to the universe as the extremism of the Sith movements and really just finding a balance would be better, you know? Yeah. Not allowing people to feel any emotions. Like in this, and you've gone to it a bit already, Yoda's already started to say his opinion with this, but there's a lot of stuff to do with. When people die, don't feel sorry about it. Just move on kind of thing. Uh, not even allowing people to time to mourn and things like that. Mm. It's like, well, maybe there is a balance between these things. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like... Qui-Gon could have been an interesting character because he was playing that line of he was slightly rebellious within the Jedi ranks and had like a bit more of a open and progressive viewpoint, but they were like, nope, <laughs> we'll kill yeah. him off. Do you know what I mean? Like there could have been an interesting kind of story arc within there, but anyway. Yeah. So yeah, they don't allow it. They they He says you can be on the council, but you're not a master. So then Anakin just sits down and <laughs> death stares everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he is the grumpiest he just got he resolves straight i've written down here because before i've been oh anakin's actually nicer and then here i've got no of ah oh, no he's still a little shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yoda then decides uh, they still haven't found grievous so, so yoda decides they have to find grievous but yoda's going to go to uh Kashyyyk, which is the home of the wookies and i guess an important battleground for the republic and the clone army so yoda decides he's going to go there and help the wookies and then anakin discusses his problems with obi-wan and that he's sort of disappointed that he hasn't been made master um and obi-wan reveals that like he doesn't trust palpatine and again sort of warns anakin to be to be careful around him at this point obi-wan then also reveals that he has a secret assignment that the council don't want on the record and that's that they want anakin to spy on the chancellor and his dealings anakin says that's treason but obi-wan's like search your feelings like there's something fishy about him like we need to find out what's going on and then anakin has this moment where he i think yeah no is it in this part where he where he apologizes (laughs) to obi-wan and he's like i'm sorry i'm so arrogant and you actually yeah, see that. He does that yeah. a lot, though. Mm-hmm. He does that a lot. He's a complete dick. And then you'll go, oh, I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, it's all right. Don't worry, Annie. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like no, you you said stupid, horrible things. You don't get to just say, I'm sorry afterwards. Yeah, right. When um, Right before Obi-Wan leaves. Yeah, and so he's like, I think Anakin says that he considers him he a does. mentor and a friend. And I think it's that whole kind of, you know, we know where this is going to go and how it's going to end. So we have to ram home the fact that they're friends and that they're, yeah companions that they've been through a lot but again it's all just very deliberate and very forced then we cut to yeah. windu who's mace windu who's having a moment i think he's with yoda or or obi-wan i can't remember and he's saying that he doesn't like the fact that 
Anakin and the Chancellor are going to be paired together. Mm-hmm. That it's dangerous. Oh yeah, they're with Yoda and Obi Wan and the the clone ship thing transport. And Yoda makes a a line saying that maybe maybe they've misread the prophecy and that Anakin isn't the one. It's like suggesting that Anakin might not be the one to bring balance to the Force. Well, probably shouldn't have put him on the fucking council then, should you? <laughs> yeah. And then we see Padme with Anakin, where she is starting to question to him whether the Republic, what the Republic is and what it has become, and that it's become totally distorted to, from what they were fighting for. And she begs Anakin to make the Chancellor to, to make the Chancellor stop the fighting and resume diplomacy. And Anakin again has like more conflict. It's like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, it's like watching Days of Our Lives. It's just like, it's so horrible whenever the two of them are together and they're talking about their emotions. And mm-hmm. Although she's wearing, she's got layer buns in yeah. for this bit of the film, which I liked. The origin, because we don't just need an origin to all the characters. We need an origin to the hairstyles of their children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. And he's like, are you a separatist? You sound like yeah. a separatist. <laughs> So he's like starting to just, dis- that's right. Yeah. So he's like, God starts to have like distrust towards her a little bit because mm-hmm. he's just a little baby. And then we cut to this big sequence in the opera where Anakin goes into the opera. There's a small little cameo by George Lucas, who's <laughs> one of the guests at the opera. It is like painted all green or something or oh, green or cool. blue. Is it? Uh. yeah <laughs> yeah directors should get to be in their films yeah. Alex I like it I when directors make for cameos union reasons. <laughs> I was so confused in this scene with what they were watching I had no idea I couldn't tell if the soundtrack that we're listening to was what they were listening to or if it was the soundtrack of the film because it's just these weird sort of <laughs> you know it's not like anything you'd actually watch and there are these bubbles and I, I had to look it up I had to do exterior research to find what are watching ballet yeah, type it's thing yep. the, and it's called Squid Lake <laughs> yeah. oh is it really I didn't know that yeah it's called Squid Lake it's yeah, I knew so it was the weird Mon and Calamari. apparently this scene was written for them to do it in the Chancellor's office but they figured they'd had enough scenes in offices so they just CGI'd like a different yeah so the um, Mon Calamari, uh, Christina, are the species of aliens, if you remember from Return of the Jedi, the like squid looking guys. And Admiral Akbar is the one that's leading the rebel fleet to the mm. second Death Star. It's a, trap. And says, it's a trap. Yeah. So apparently they also dance in bubbles. <laughs> they have some episodes in the Clone Wars yeah, cartoon show as well, where there's see. lots of calamaris running around doing calamari things. <laughs> I love me a calamari. Being delicious. Yep, me too. Me too. Squeeze a bit of lemon on it. Oh my god. Yum. <laughs> so we're at the opera. Palpatine reveals that they've found Grievous, um, and this is seen from my memory. Like people were always like raving about this scene. Maybe it was just my Star Wars nerdy friends. Just about the whole because you're seeing Palpatine really become. Palpatine the Emperor at this point and like really enforce mm-hmm. his will and influence on Anakin so at this point he starts to question the council's decision why they didn't choose Anakin to to get Grievous and he starts saying that they can't rely on the Jedi Council because they want to control the Republic so yeah that's he, the first thing he says to he starts telling Anakin that the Jedi want to control the Republic and they want to overthrow him and he plays on Anakin's own sort of 
seeds of doubt with the council. Mm-hmm. And he also says that he knows that the council asked him to spy on him. And then he starts talking about the Sith and the Jedi. And he goes into this story that the Sith and the Jedi are similar in their quest for power. And this is like what we were saying just a few minutes ago, that maybe they aren't too dissimilar in their, in their extremes. But Anakin's like, no, the Jedi are selfless and the Sith lust for power. Um, but the Jedi want to help others and all that sort of stuff. And then we go into this story of Darth Plagueis, a Sith legend that uh, Palpatine tells Anakin uh, who's saying that this Sith was so powerful that he could influence uh, the midichlorians. <laughs> I wish he had just said, he could have just said he could, he was so powerful he could influence the force. I don't know why he has to, anyway. He was so powerful he could influence midichlorians to create life. Again, this played back on the idea that people started talking about after the film was that maybe Darth Plagueis was the one that created Anakin or at least taught palpatine that power to create life but that he also could prevent death and then he says this line where he's like the dark side is a place to the uh, is a path to a place some deem to be unnatural so you basically again he's playing on anakin's fears that he's going to lose padme and, and says that you know sith knowledge can help prevent that um and then he also reveals that darth Plagueis was was killed in his sleep and he's like you know he may have been able to prevent death and create life but he was still killed in his sleep, and then Anakin asked because him he killed him, right? That's that's the okay kind of very obvious. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think implication. Yeah. <laughs> thing. Okay. And then Anakin asks him if it's possible to learn this power, and he says, "Not from a Jedi." Are we meant to be implying throughout this movie that the dreams Anakin is having have been put there by the Chancellor? Mm. Because this entire plot that he has with all these years of planning hinges on Anakin being paranoid that his wife is going to die in childbirth. So if yeah. he hadn't had those dreams, and how else did none he, of this would happen. How else did he know he had those dreams? Unless he placed them. Or he could feel I mean, them, I guess. He might have been confiding in him. I don't know. He might have told. There's a lot done off screen. So he could no, have told him yeah. off screen. No, no, no. Because it seemed like when the Chancellor mentioned the dreams, uh, Anakin was like shocked that he knew them. Right, okay. Yeah, Isn't that's he, right. Because he does, yeah, he mentions like, because he so says maybe, that like, I know your dreams, yeah. He either did place them or he could go into Anakin's mind and, Because know. if he doesn't have those dreams, then we have none of this movie. Like uh-huh, Anakin uh-huh. probably would never become Darth Vader and all of this planning would go for nothing. So yeah. is that what we're meant to believe, that he's placing these dreams and fears and they're all... Yeah, because the idea is yeah. that Palpatine mm. slash Sidious has been the architect of all of this from The Phantom Menace. Mm. That everything yeah. is like either he's so foreseen his or that or he's he's planned. Even you could say like the continuation of that character goes right up to Return of the Jedi when he's like still saying like I've foreseen everything and this is all part of my plan. Like the Republic's going to be crushed and but he didn't expect right, okay. Luke. Also, I don't know if it's true or not, but I read something where the story that you were just telling that he tells about his master or whatever was his name again, Darth Pla- Plagueis Plagueis. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that apparently came from EU. There was some book that someone wrote, and George Lucas liked this story that was put in there, and he took it for this. Yeah, that sounds right. To help with that backstory. Yeah. (laughs) So, that EU is canon, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, for me, as like a Star Wars fan, I really liked, I've always really liked this scene. You could say from a 
sort of critical point of view that the Emperor's bits are always like super hammy and a bit kind of over the top but just for Star Wars kind of lore and mythology I always was like oh yeah that's really cool like this sort of idea of where the Sith are coming from and maybe a bit more about Anakin's background and just that manipulation I always really enjoyed so then we cut to Kashyyyk Yoda's there yay and there's a big Wookiee battle versus the droids yeah and Anakin's having a meeting with Yoda and the Jedi Council and he insists that the Chancellor wants him to go to Utapau to get Grievous but that's rejected and the Council will nominate Obi-Wan and so we go back to the Wookiee battle and yeah so Al so yeah no no I wanted to ask you about how you felt but a couple of things but yeah there's a couple of facts with this place as well uh, we talked about it on a previous podcast but this Wookiee battle dates back to the very first script for the first Star Wars film A New Hope and it was what was meant to be basically in Return of the Jedi that they then turned into Ewoks. Mm. So he's sort of resurrecting that idea here and doing it in a much quicker fashion, obviously, as we kind of breeze over it. But originally, in the original script for this movie, and yes, they did have a script for this one, unlike Attack of the Clones before they started <laughs> shooting, there was going to be a 10-year-old Han Solo who's going to be on this planet being raised by Wookiees. Oh, that would Chewie. have been so cool. He was an orphan who had been left on this planet being raised by Chewbacca and he was going to help locate General Grievous by finding part of a transmitter droid. (sighs) I don't have facts as to why this was cut. (laughs) Look at Alex. (laughs) You like that or you don't like that, Alex? No, I don't like it. And at that point, there was already (laughs) a Han Solo trilogy books that were still canon at that point, which would have (laughs) What is this canon, by the way? Okay, so the EU is extended universe, which is for any, and not just Star Wars, but everything that's big will have an extended universe, mm. which is basically stuff that people will write or make about it, but they're not necessarily from the main creator's mind, but they're extended, you know, things that happened. Now, if it's canon or not, canon is obviously if it's been officially approved with the stamp of the creator or the rights owners, as in, mm. yes, this is part of the timeline that's actually happened. The rest is basically just for fun. And for many, many decades, Star Wars just had an EU, but they didn't talk about it in the mainline stuff, but it was just kind of accepted as in what was canon, what wasn't. And then they would come out and every now and then sort of flag something as this is definitely canon. But when Disney bought out the rights in 2012, they rebranded everything. They basically chucked out almost everything and we'll get to it. Because the EU was huge. Like it included comics, books, games. I see. Mm -hmm. Massive. Okay. And, and like to the point where even for this, for instance, the games have been thrown out, but the game of this, Revenge of the Sith, has the footage from that hour of the beginning of this movie. So all that stuff which they shot, which then they cut out, it's in that video game. So if you want to see all those scenes, you can, but it's still not deemed as canon okay. anymore because okay. of Disney. I get it. Um, but we'll get, to, we'll get to Disney when we get to Disney. <laughs> We're not given the young hand solo. I'm sure you're happy. Christina's unhappy. But we are given, <laughs> one, the Wookiees, but two, Chewie. Now, I want to know Yay. it's a double-tier question. A, do you, how do you feel seeing the Wookiee planet? But B, are you happy seeing it? But are you happy that Chewie is shown as well? So when it first came out, I was really excited about it and sort of seeing a bit of, a bit of Chewie, I guess. But watching it this time, I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't serve anything like this is totally for the fans i feel this whole scene and this battle and seeing the wookies but it it served no real 
purpose outside of that. So it it felt way more kind of indulgent for me this time. And and almost like it makes sense. Like if it was, okay, this is what we intended for the first one, but we couldn't do it. And then when we got to Jedi, Return of the Jedi, we slightly changed it and created Ewoks. Like it felt like it was, he was clinging to this idea and just like, I want to get it in. The fans want Wookiees. They want Chewie, which is fair enough. Like they're great, but I just don't feel it serves any purpose. So I wasn't sort of, yeah, it didn't really do anything for me this time. Yeah, I'm really conflicted with it because I've written down Wookiee Planet, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. It's the only bit of my notes that has three exclamation marks <laughs> after it and best bit so far. But it's because I am I like the world. I like seeing all these Wookiees. I like seeing Yoda with these Wookiees. What I hate and I really hate, as I talked about in the other two, is that constant yeah contracting of the universe rather than expanding. The fact that everybody knew everybody. The droids knew all these other characters and then had their brains wiped. Yoda already knew Chewie. Like, everybody knew each other before we got to those first trilogy mm-hmm. films. Makes it so less special. And so such a smaller universe. And how no one recognized or talks to each other, like, you know, or has any nods to anybody else in those original films. Just doesn't even work. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so I'm really conflicted in that I like the scene, but it's... This should be not canon. <laughs> it's like, give me this in the EU yeah. and I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, because you can imagine in uh, in Empire Strikes Back when Luke has that vision to go to the Dagobah system to meet Master Yoda and he tells he tells the gang back at the base. Uh, Chewie should have been like, yeah. oh, yeah, Yoda, tell him I say hi. <laughs> Maybe that's what he's saying and no one understands. He's like, ah! <laughs> My green frog friend. Yeah. Uh, so from Kashyyyk, we jump back to Coruscant where we have a farewell between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Oh, this is actually the moment where Anakin apologizes for his arrogance and Obi-Wan praises him and tells him to be patient and then says, goodbye, old friend. And again, it's it's the intent and purpose is so obvious and so deliberate of just like, okay, one last time. They really like each other. They really like each other. They've been through a lot. They're like brothers. (laughs) They've got an amazing relationship and... They're saying goodbye. This is the last time they're saying goodbye. Like it just, it's just very forced. Yeah. I thought like it's. Absolutely. It's just an obvious setup. Yeah. So then Obi-Wan leaves with the clone troops. And then we go back to Anakin having another dream. This time he's dreaming. Padme's crying again, but Obi-Wan is helping her. And so Anakin goes and sees Padme, who reveals that Obi-Wan came to visit her before he'd left. And Anakin was suspicious of that. And she says that he just wanted to ask her how Anakin was doing because he was worried about him. Um, And Anakin reveals that he feels lost. He doesn't feel like the Jedi Council trust him. And then he says that he doesn't feel like the Jedi he should be. He wants more. And then he reveals to Padme that he has found a way to save her. (laughs) In my notes, I wrote, Anakin reveals that he has found a way to save Anakin. (laughs) (laughs) but he reveals that he found a way to save Padme we cut to Obi-Wan on Utapau he arrives on Utapau he's greeted by the Utapau leaders Mm. and in a little exchange they confess that Grievous is there and that they're being held hostage and they give Obi-Wan directions and say that he's being watched Um, Obi-Wan sends his ship back to tell the commander Cody of the clone army to bring more troops and then suddenly Obi-Wan appears on this hybrid feather lizard bird creature and starts racing through Utapau to find Grievous. First of all, how did he get to Utapau? Like, what led him there? Why did they think Grievous was there? I missed it. Uh, so, so in the opera, 
Palpatine says to Anakin, "We found Grievous." So oh, I'm assuming yeah. okay. that he he uh, yeah told right, the council. just fed him the information. Okay. Yeah. And second of all, yeah, Haruka note here. This is where Haruka just turned to me and said, "I want one of those lizards." <laughs> <laughs> oh. Aww, so yeah, Grievous that. also sends the Separatists to Mustafa, the fiery planet. And yeah, and so we have Obi-Wan riding through on the lizard uh, and then he, he sees Grievous and confronts him, but he's outnumbered by droids. But Grievous is like, no, step aside. I want to take him on. And at this point, Grievous reveals that Dooku trained him in the Jedi arts and he reveals that he his arms split into two. So he has four arms. <laughs> And that he has like a whole host of lightsabers from Jedi's that he's killed. I love that they're doing this in that with the Darth Maul. It's like, well, what's better than one lightsaber? One lightsaber that's two. And then in the last one, it's like, what's better than that? Okay, holding two lightsabers at the same time, which arguably isn't better than that. And in this one, it's like, what's better than two lightsabers? Four lightsabers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was a <laughs> lot of saber fighting this movie. Oh, yes. Was there? Right? There's there a- was. I felt like there is so much. The last lightsaber fight is the longest lightsaber fight okay. in the yeah, whole series. Yeah, it goes on for a long series. time. Did, is George Lucas not watching his previous films? Has he not watched Attack of Clones and realized, oh no, all those bits where I got them to ride CGI animals looked so fucking stupid? Mm-hmm. This <laughs> because, one looked a little you know, better, though. Oh, he looks so weird on that lizard. He looks so <laughs> weird. It's just so uncomfortable. And I, oh, I really didn't enjoy this part on Utsubao. No, I remember I even not. when I first saw it, like it just it just goes on far too long, and that whole well, chase. I was still really bored at this point. Still, it's bored. a finale to a cartoon show that most people haven't seen. That's what really is occurring to me now. Like I'm watching this movie, not having seen that cartoon show. I'm like, what is the scene? I don't really know what Grievous is. They've mentioned his name a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I don't care. The battle's pretty easy, and then but then after watching a cartoon show, I'm like, well, this is this is literally a scene that's a finale to a TV show. Mm. that i hadn't seen before and most people haven't seen and if i had seen it it's kind of disappointing because they build grievous up as this big bad and he's really easy to defeat yeah so yeah immediately in the first part of the battle obi-wan cuts off two of his arms before clone troops arrive and then he force pushes grievous who does this little like spider walk uh onto a speeder and escapes and so obi-wan takes him takes the creature and chases him but at that point drops his lightsaber Commander Cody then is delivering the news to the council that they've got Grievous kind of cornered. So Mace Windu sends Anakin to, to the Chancellor to see what his intentions are. And Mace Windu reveals that he suspects a plot to destroy the Jedi and that he can sense the dark side around the Chancellor. Oh yeah, and so Anakin arrives at Palpatine's office. Now is Palpatine looking at plans of the Death Star here when he walks in? I think so, because he shuts his brows very quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's like a workman when they're looking at porn or something. He just looks really uncomfortable and just shuts it down as quickly as possible. Yeah, so he shuts it down and Anakin delivers the news. Again, Palpatine plays on Anakin's fears and mistrust of the council. He says that they don't trust Anakin and that he has to break through these fog of lies. And then that's when he starts to reveal that he knows the dark side. Now, here's a little thing. So I remember reading after it came out, apparently around Palpatine's office, there's a lot of, and when he walks down a corridor, there's like this uh, sort of tableau on the wall of something. And apparently those were all like Sith monuments and tableaus and like pictures 
the Jedi were at his office so many times. <laughs> they didn't notice. I mean, no, it was in there. Did they not go? That's that's some dark side shit. God. It'd be like in World War Two having like a Nazi interrogation, and there's like a Jewish star hanging in someone's bedroom, and you, you <laughs> yeah. just let it fly completely. Yeah, exactly. So he reveals to Anakin that he knows the dark side, and he says the Jedi view is dogmatic. He says that through him, Anakin will be able to save his wife, and he begs Anakin to use his knowledge. And then Anakin's like, "You're the Sith Lord we've been looking for," and gets his lightsaber out, and he asks Anakin. Palpatine asks Anakin if he'd like to kill him because he can feel his anger and that it gives Anakin focus and makes him stronger. But Anakin's like, no, I'm going to turn you over, even though he sort of doubts the Jedi's intentions. Then we cut back to Utapal with Obi-Wan chasing Grievous. At this point, Obi-Wan doesn't have his doesn't have his lightsaber and Grievous drops his, his blaster so they have a fist fight. Yeah, Obi-Wan opens, at this point, opens up his protective armor, gets thrown off a ledge again, as seems to be the case for Obi-Wan, and he's like hanging off the ledge, but then he gets the the blaster and blasts Grievous' exposed organs, um, which kills him. So this entire fight, and all it took was a blaster. Yeah. Like, it's like... uh, A fist fight, rip open his armor, and then a blaster. To his heart. To his heart. All right. All right. So, and then he throws away the blaster and he says, so uncivilized. I did not get that. Why? Well, there's a bit in A New Hope. Classic British humor. There's there's a line in A New Hope when I think it's when Han Solo is like saying like the hokey religion thing. And, or no, maybe it's at the very start when he meets Luke, but Obi-Wan describes the lightsaber as a weapon from a more civilized age or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's... I started writing when I was doing my trivia research on this. Uh, I started writing down the lines that they'd taken from the original trilogy films, like all the nods that they had, and mm-hmm. I had to stop. I just decided not to. There's just too many. It's ridiculous. It's like yeah. so many lines in this movie that they just took from previous films. Oh. Well, that's it. Like, there's so many moments in this. And I remember when I first saw it and then seeing it after, where you can see that they're, they're trying to tie in everything up to a new hope like bringing either like visual references or like you said with padme's hair like they're really really trying to be like this is how it's gonna happen like it's all gonna connect and it's all gonna make sense yeah i'm a genius (laughs) yeah i'm a genius so anakin meets mace windu and reveals the truth about palpatine um anakin is told to stay because windu senses the conflict within him and so he says wait in the council chambers we'll go arrest him and then we have a scene where Anakin's looking out across Coruscant and Padme in her quarters is looking out towards the Jedi Temple um, and Anakin's conflicted and he hears Palpatine uh, Palpatine talk about losing Padme and Anakin tears up and he feels the pain of losing her and so he jumps on his ship and scoots off. Meanwhile, Mace Windu arrives and approaches the Chancellor and says that he's under arrest and that they're going to regain control of the Senate. And he's like, I am the Senate. And he's like, well, you're under arrest anyway. He's like, well, that's treason. Um, and then <laughs> Bethany pointed out where we watched this scene, the Chancellor reveals his red lightsaber and then very easily just kills the Jedi that are with Mace Windu. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's so like, like they don't okay, even try. Like, yeah. He has a lightsaber that he's kept up his sleeve the whole time, presumably. And then he kills three Jedi's just immediately 
And these, the, and again, if you've been watching this cartoon show that was leading into it, these are some of the Jedis you were following in that oh. cartoon show. And they're shown to be really cool. Like they're fan favorites in many ways. Like, you know, there's great like uh, paraphernalia for them that you can buy and merch and stuff. And he just kills them. There's no ceremony. There's no battle. Just gone. Straight off. Just off the bat. They don't even like defend themselves at any no. point. They just like, they're all stand there and just like. Bam, oh. gone. Yeah. Can I just say, this is the moment for me, Alex. It makes you feel like they're not Jedis, yeah. you know? Right, right yeah. So I, I, have to, I have to say, and I have, I, what I'm kind of enjoying so far with this podcast is, I think I can tell where Christina's going with this movie. I honestly don't know with you, Alex, because you said how much you liked it before, and I can't tell yet how you're feeling with it on this watch. And I'm hoping I, you can't tell if I like it more or less in Attack of the Clones. I don't know. But I will say, this is the point where I'm really... He's so fucking bad this actor he's so atrociously bad Ooh, as soon chancellor? as they let him yeah as soon as they let him become the emperor and they take off those shackles and they're just like go now you are the emperor oh my god it's a nosedive for me in terms of his acting for i just can't fathom like tamro's fast asleep by this point snoring Why? on the sofa <laughs> and me and haruka are dying with just laughter just crying with laughter <laughs> Uh, just his face, and you're about to get into it in the scene, so I don't want to spoil anything. But just his deliveries, and his screamings, and his little scrunched up face, and just how he just everything about him, he's enjoying himself way too much like, way too much. <laughs> that someone needs to have wheeled him off set. I just, I don't, I think, I think this is a terrible, terrible, terrible scene. So, yeah, as he, after he kills the Jedi, he engages in a battle with Mace Windu. And Windu kicks him to the ground and overpowers him and knocks his lightsaber out. And I think the Chancellor is just sort of feigning weakness here. But he, he Anakin arrives just as this happens and, and the Chancellor is in the windows, open windowsill with Windu standing over him. And he tells, he tells Anakin that the Jedi are taking over and he tries to force lightning mace windu who deflects it back onto him which starts to just like disfiguring disfigure him um and morph his face into the kind of more classic emperor that we know from return of the jedi um and he screams out to anakin monkey like, emperor <laughs> yeah monkey eyed emperor <laughs> that one he tells anakin that he can save padme and windu's like don't listen to him and windu at that point then wants to end it um and anakin says he must stand trial and windu's like no he controls all the courts like there's no point we have to kill him and so he goes to strike him and anakin goes no and cuts off mace windu's arm which i think is our first arm in this film and as windu sort no, of stand- no no this is our fifth arm is it we had two right at the beginning and then we had oh two yeah we had reverse that's well. true <laughs> yeah of course you're this right our fifth arm yeah it's our favorite thing to do like George Lucas's fetish is insane. I don't. It's out of control. <laughs> Someone needs to shut him down. So then, uh, as as uh, Windu screams, Sidious lightnings him again and screams out, "Power! Unlimited power!" For many years, I didn't know what he screamed out until I think I read it somewhere. <laughs> well, wait. What about when he was like, "No, no, oh. no." I don't even yeah, remember how right. he did it, but I no, did write that down. No, I wrote no, Chancellor. No, 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 no. No. We literally had to rewind this and watch it three <laughs> times because we were dying with laughter so much and it's so fucking terrible. Oh, man. Power. I can't believe it. And I, I will say, though, I do like 
<laughs> I listened to a different podcast that they did the great pun of Mace Windu and how his death ties into a window. <laughs> <laughs> no wondering if that was purposely written <laughs> with his last name. Like it's foreshadowing his death. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so Attican drops to the floor and is like, what have I done? But Sidious gets up, puts on his uh, hoodie, um, and he tells tells Anakin that he's going to become his new apprentice. And Anakin says, I'll do whatever you ask, and that he just wants Padme to be saved. And the Emperor says, to cheat death is something only one has achieved, but he pledges. So, no, so he Anakin doesn't pledges. even know how to do it. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean... Oh, we're going to figure it out together with our power. We're going to figure it out together and search for That's the secret. But the baby is about to come out. How much time, Anakin, Sounds like do you a think Trump it takes? Promise. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> don't worry. We'll figure it out. It'll be brilliant. We'll figure it out. And he's just, he's not even phased by that. Not like, oh, wait, you don't, don't even know. This scene, here's, a, here's what I will say. To, to this film's credit, I've been liking Anakin more. His anger is there, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, subtler. Mm-hmm. Still annoying, but it's subtle. Not that bad, yeah. And I was really expecting them just to drop him off a cliff, and they kept not doing that, and I was impressed with it. You know, he turns over this Sith Lord to mm-hmm. the Jedi yeah, Council. Yeah, I was surprised. I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. He comes in on this scene, and he actually he stands up for the Jedi until he sees that the Jedi is going to do something wrong. And he's actually standing up for the Jedi way of life of like no we shouldn't be killing uh, yeah but he just killed when, that other guy when the chancellor told know, him to he's immediately but but i mean yeah when, i mean when he's uh, defenseless you know and so he's arguably on the right hand side of this fight for a while and i really like that they did it he that wants way. the secret that's exactly only no, completely completely but i think but i do like that it's more complicated than they could have written this and then suddenly suddenly within four seconds he just drops off a cliff and he goes from that remorse of, what did I do? What did I do? I was standing up for the right thing. And then like, I'll do anything you say. I don't care. Just I'll call murder me, all call the me younglings. Give me a new name. Whatever you want. Just yeah. give me a cloak. I'm happy. Murder the younglings. Why? Yeah, so he's cr- okay. at this point, he's crowned Darth Vader. Honestly. And- I'm sorry, Alex. I was so bored up until this moment. <laughs> and then this moment, I was just so bored, so bored. This is so bored. I'm so bored. And then I'm just enraged with anger and then the rest of the movie i'm just angry 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 why do they even call him vader like there's not even a good origin for that no. like why the name vader it just it just comes to him suddenly because it sounds like the dutch word for father and palpatine oh. you <laughs> clearly is a dutch boy a big fan oh. of the dutch architecture yeah uh, um, so yeah he crowns him darth vader at this point yoda immediately senses a disturbance in the force and he declares the Emperor declares that the Jedi are now an enemy of the Republic. He says that Vader must kill them all and only then will he be strong enough to save Padme. And then he's like, and after that, go to Musafar and kill the Separatists um, and end the war. So we have Anakin's march into the Jedi Council with a whole battalion of clone troopers. Um, on Utapau, the troops are getting the upper hand and Obi-Wan is assisting in the battle. But then Commander Cody gets Order 66 from the Emperor, which is an order to kill all the Jedi. And Obi-Wan who is riding his little lizard bird thing, gets blasted off the side of the mountain. Um, And then we cut to a a montage of Jedi across the galaxy with troopers turning on them and killing them. It's horrible. Very easily. They all just die so easily. 
And again, these are characters from the cartoon show that you're kind of grown to like if you watch that. But it's just the Jedi, and they all just die. Just clone troopers. Jedi die. Only only one of them sort of puts up a mini fight, and it's the, the yeah. old guy. I forgot his name. The one with the beard and yeah. the, like long hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big head. Yeah. It's so. I mean, here's the thing. They're doing a new bit of score here because simply of how horrible this idea is. It is affecting me a little bit. It does actually make me a bit sad. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just so just forced. It just doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. It's just not realistic. It's just not the way they should have played this out. And it's the kind of scene that could have been really cool. Like this mm-hmm. is something where it could be really great if you had this good plan that's really kind of been a machination for a long time. And then you pull it off and all the Jedis are suddenly taken off because they're separate and they're weak and they're not like, you know, working together anymore. And they've been mentally fractured and stuff. But it's just not presented in that way. So I just don't feel it's earned at all yeah Yeah, i think that's a really good way of saying it it's not earned Mm -hmm. for sure for me it's it's still affecting but yeah i think that's such a really great way to frame it so yeah yoda senses this loss um and he's about to be killed himself but unlike the other jedi who didn't sense anything yoda's smart and he does and he decapitates the troopers to try and kill him and chewie gets him to crawl up his arm that was cute and helps him um and then we cut to anakin and these younglings that are hiding in the council and they uh, ask if he's there to help and we just see it's so his lightsaber engage it's horrible and it's like anakin you think padme's gonna want to be with you after that <laughs> yeah. like what the hell i mean she did for it's it doesn't make any i sense. mean this is the second time he's killed kids though exactly time. that's true she forgave him the first time. So Padme sees the burning temple in the background and we then have Bail Organa visiting the Jedi temple, but he's told to leave and a young Padawan comes out and is like killing troops, but then he's killed himself. Obi-Wan manages to escape from Utapau and Chewie and Tafu help Yoda into an escape pod. Uh, at this point, we see Bail Organa on the Tantive Four, which is the ship we see at the beginning of A New Hope that is carrying... Princess Amidala. Uh, not Princess Amidala, Princess Leia. So now we know that the Tantive is, belongs to Bail Organa. He leaves Coruscant. Obi-Wan escapes and he gets a message from Bail Organa to, uh, who gives him coordinates to where he is. Anakin meets up with Padme after his butchering of everyone at the Jedi Council. Uh, and he tells her that, he, that the Jedi are trying to overthrow the government and that he won't betray the Republic. Padme is afraid, but he tells Padme that he's going to Mustafar to end the war, and he begs her to wait for him. She is still useless. She's still useless. Back on the Tantive Four, Obi-Wan is with Yoda and Bail Organa. There's no communication with any of the Jedi, and a message slash trap has been set that is telling all the Jedi to go back to the Jedi Council. So they're like, we have to go and dismantle that coded message. We see Mustafar for the first time all fiery and volcanic um and Sidious is telling the separatists that vader will arrive and take care of them and then we get back to coruscant senator organa is invited to a special session of congress back to mustafa where anakin arrives he enters the chambers force closes the doors what's gonna happen yoda and obi-wan battle their way to the temple and then we're in the senate and the chancellor at this point reveals to the senate that the jedi tried to overthrow overthrow him in the senate and that they left him like horribly deformed <laughs> obi-wan and yoda 
observe like dead younglings and they notice that they were killed by a lightsaber and they're like, who could have done this? Because, or Obi-Wan says that. Anakin slaughters all the separatists in Mustafar and has a, this bit where he turns around to reveal red, red eyes underneath his hood. yellow eyes. Like red yellow and yellow. Eyes, but yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So stupid. He looks so stupid. Yeah, and because then after that, he doesn't have them. Yeah, they switch back and forth at will, yeah. <laughs> seemingly. And how are you feeling with Yoda? I know some people really took umbrage with Yoda in this film because he's very kind of... He just seems exhausted. <laughs> he just seems really just like, oh, I'm done with all of this stuff. Even though he kind of... He said we shouldn't have this kid. He allowed this kid to happen. And he's just like... He keeps telling people, don't be sad. Even when they find that they're younglings, he's like, don't be sad about it. You know? he's not he's not like he just seems really worn out which for me i kind of like i kind of like this very tired looking yoda Mm. but i know some people got really upset with it they were just like that's not yoda he's not oh i like it yeah it didn't bother me yeah no i like that there's a sense of maybe he's actually powerless and maybe he has foreseen some of this himself Mm. and and that he, he that he can't and we get to it like there's a bit where he kind of even admits his own failures which is kind of cool so yeah the chancellor then says to the senate that the the attack left him scarred and deformed but now he has the resolve his resolve has never been stronger and he announces that he's transforming the republic to the first galactic empire and everyone cheers and amadal is there with bail organa and says so this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause Best like in america in when uh, during Trump's inauguration, I, I made a little video with uh, that that line happening. Uh, oh, really? Amidala oh, saying that God. line, and then the Trumps walking out oh. uh, with the theme of the empire. I'll send you guys a link later. Oh my god! Um, it's my favorite line. I have to say, it's saying that it's my favorite line in the whole mm-hmm. film. It's That's that a good line. line. Every, mm-hmm. Because that the, all of that Senate does is applaud. Things yeah. have happened in each of these movies that are baffling and they all just seem to support it every time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then we're back at the council and Obi-Wan recalibrates the code to keep any remaining Jedi away and to basically tell them to go into hiding. Obi-Wan wants to watch the security footage, but Yoda warns him not to because, yeah, and it reveals Anakin bowing to the Emperor. Obi-Wan refuses to fight Anakin, he says, but Yoda says he's not strong enough to confront the Emperor. And Yoda reminds him that Anakin is no longer. I just want to very quickly say this also when they're watching um, him kill the younglings is when Obi-Wan says, I can't watch anymore. And mm-hmm. I just have written down in my notes. I agree. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so then Obi-Wan goes to see Padme, who denies knowing where Anakin is, still sticking up for him. And Obi-Wan says that Anakin has turned to the dark side and he reveals what he saw on the hologram, uh, security hologram. And he says that Anakin is the new apprentice to the Emperor. But Padme still disbelieves him and she knows now that obi-wan is going to kill him so she doesn't reveal his location and obi-wan reveals that he knows that anakin is the father anakin whatever i've got my notes here anakin has killed everyone on mustafa and it's just chilling (laughs) padme departs and obi-wan was sneakily hiding (laughs) under the ramp and sneaks under the ship sneaky sneaky man so she didn't know he was there i was confused no she didn't know yeah she didn't you had no idea, okay. He went into like a cubby or something. Yeah. I felt like this was an intervention <laughs> and all of Anakin's friends were going to come out one by one and go, look. Dude, they showed up. <laughs> we love you. Annie. You Annie. Been, yeah. Jar Jar comes out. <laughs> yeah, Jar Jar comes. <laughs> God. 
that would that's what this movie needed at the end Jar Jar yeah I did miss Jar Jar in this thrown one. into lava so, yeah yeah wait why wasn't he there at all he's he would be in the senate making because the two minutes he was in the film in the last one people were still like nope oh, <laughs> yeah god they phased him out okay god bless him he's unemployed at the moment hmm. so anakin communicates to palpatine who then orders for the droid army to be shut down padme arrives on the planet and she reveals that obi-wan told her what happened and that and that he wants to help both of them and all she wants is Anakin's love, but he doesn't want to lose her. She just wants his love. And she's like, let's just run away and forget all of this. And he's like, and then Anakin has this big sort of like narcissistic monologue of believing that he brought peace to the Republic. And now he feels more powerful than the Chancellor who he can overthrow. And he says to Padme that he can, he can overthrow the Chancellor and then they can rule together and make the galaxy the way they want. And she senses his change. She's like, you've changed, Anakin, and it enrages him. He feels that Padme's betraying him. He says, the Jedi betrayed me, don't you betray me? And then she's like, you're breaking my heart. And she begs him to come back, and then Obi-Wan is just standing at the top of the ramp with his arms on his hips, and it enrages Anakin. <laughs> like it would, he looks too cool. And he force chokeholds Padme until she's unconscious in Obi-Wan. And he says that Obi-Wan turned Padme against him. And that now he's got like he's got this new empire and Obi-Wan's like, Your new empire? What are you talking about, you little brat? And he's like, only Sith deals in absolutes, and then we begin our massive lightsaber battle. And so now we go into a sequence of this lightsaber battle, which basically carries to the end of the film. Yes. With another lightsaber battle with Yoda. Yeah, I do like this is just it's all very, very bad. Like his eyes are like you say they're going from yellow to normal when he's talking to Padme and just back and forth how he wants them to be. He does that whole monologue, which to me reminded me of Chris Klein in Legend of Chun Li. He's like he's turned to camera while giving his yeah. monologue. That's right, and it's so hammy. Anything I felt about Hayden Christensen really putting in the effort and giving this character a little bit more blood and a little bit more believability at the beginning of the film is right out the window in these sequences. Like, as soon as he's becoming Darth Vader, it's just hamming it up constantly. It's it's so over the top. It's really stupid. And then, like you say, having Obi-Wan suddenly jump in with his hands on hips. <laughs> it's, it's like, why, why does he hate Obi-Wan so much? They don't give you enough uh, reason to believe he hates, like, to understand why he hates him so much well it's not even like i like this idea of he became darth vader not just because of persuasion not just because of arrogance there's all these things added to it but really because he wants to save his wife yeah his child and i think that's great like that's such a great revelation mm -hmm. it's a cool idea but it's not here he had a fucking dream <laughs> it's like she needs to be in actual peril it needs to be it's actually happening to her already and like maybe like the chancellor had you know somehow put her in that position or whatever secretly but it needs to be a actual impetus where it's happening to drive him to do the drastic things he's doing in the position he's in right now where it's all come from a bad dream he had it's just stupid like it's mm. just it doesn't work the bad dream that he had about his mother came true so he's going off of that that his dreams come true they're premonitions he wouldn't choke hold his mother you know, know. he wouldn't like why did he choke just... hold his wife yeah, it's yeah. just you're doing all of this for her. The only way I'm buying <laughs> any of this is because you love her so much. 
and then you're a dick to her as well. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, I just can't. I can't get on board with it. Yeah. At all. Oh, no, I'm not on board with it. And I'm also not a big fan, to be honest. Like, yeah, we're finally seeing, you mentioned it's the first time seeing this planet. What's it called again, Alex? Mustafa. Yeah. Mustafa. Yeah. Um, isn't he a villain from Aladdin or the Yeah, Mustafa. Mustafa, yeah. And this is a planet which George Lucas had always wanted to put in the films but couldn't afford to, basically. And we do get it. It comes back later when we get to the Disney movies. I'm not a big fan. Like, I appreciate apparently a bunch of these shots. Where, where was it? It was, uh, yeah, Mount Etna in Italy was erupting at the time. Oh, wow. So in post-production, they took people there to take photography to then use as their CGI backgrounds, hmm. basically, of the volcanoes erupting and stuff. That's cool. But I'm just not a big fan of, oh... It's the baddies lair, so it's got to be in a fucking l- volcanic lava. Like it just, it's so video gamey and it's so rote that I just, uh, I don't know. None of this is working for me when we get to this point. <sighs> and then we got our two lightsaber battles. Yeah, so that so- we have Yoda uh, now visiting the Emperor, and he has a cool little Yoda moment where he walks to the door and then just like force pushes the two Empress cards against the wall, <laughs> knocking them out. But the Emperor immediately force lightnings uh, Yoda and knocks him to the floor and then has this... And yeah, so at this point, we're jumping back and forth a lot between Mustafa and Yoda in the Senate chambers. As Yoda's lying there, sort of unconscious, uh, the Emperor calls him my little green friend and does a very uh, hammy cackle. But then Yoda force pushes the Emperor, who does a very slapsticky fall off his chair backwards. And then they engage in a lightsaber battle, which goes onto the Senate sort of floor. They kind of ascend up into the Senate chamber and start having a lightsaber battle between all the little pods that the politicians mm-hmm. all sit in. Back on Mustafa, Obi-Wan and Anakin are fighting and they're like, they have a moment that's really funny where they're just standing in front of each other, like doing crazy spins. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. Where they're not yeah, hitting, yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. just like... They're just showing off. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. And then one of them accidentally like hits one of the buttons, which sends the planet sort of into a kind of mini meltdown. Sidious starts throwing, back in the Senate chamber, Sidious starts throwing observation decks at Yoda, cackling. Yoda manages to catch one with the force, spins it and throws it back at Sidious and then jumps up and then Sidious force lightnings Yoda who's able to hold it and then kind of push it back but the force of that sends them both falling and Yoda falls to the the senate floor like many 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 floors below and all you hear is Sidious's cackle at this point so Yoda then ends up escaping through the wiring he gets a call out to Bail Organa to come and rescue him um, and the Emperor prepares to go to Mustafa, sensing that Vader is in danger. And so this I just mentioned a bit before. Uh, as the fight, yeah, the lightsaber fight on lava is still going. Now they're outside, jumping between this big machinery and stuff over the big lava, rivers of lava. Yoda escapes with Bail Organa and declares that he has to go into exile because he's failed. Yeah, and so finally... We're in the lava river and Obi-Wan and Anakin are both kind of floating on bits of debris and Anakin's like on a, a some type of droid and they have a conversation uh, where Obi-Wan kind of admits that he's failed Anakin and that Anakin was, was, meant to, was meant to be the chosen one. And Anakin says, this is the end of you, my master. And Obi-Wan jumps onto land and has the high, takes the high ground and he says to Anakin, it's over. Uh, but before he says that, he... Oh, no, he says... Okay, 
So Obi-Wan takes the high ground and says it's over to Anakin. And Anakin leaps from the droid he's standing on to go towards Obi-Wan and leaps up above Obi-Wan, who then cuts Anakin's legs and arm. Now, I was going to address this a few podcasts back. So he's telling, but I thought I'd wait till now. So in The Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan is hanging by a ledge looking up at Darth Maul, who has the high ground, Mm. which Obi-Wan here is stating is an advantage. And Obi-Wan does the exact same move as Anakin does to him here, where he jumps over Darth Maul, picks up a lightsaber, and cuts him in half. And you made a fact that you pointed that out that Darth Maul just looks at him and kind of lets the whole thing happen. Mm-hmm. And here we have the exact same scenario, and it works in Obi Wan's favor. So I thought that was kind of cool and bullshit. A little inconsistent. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, yeah, and so at this point, Anakin, with his limbs cut, rolls down the bank and just catches fire <laughs> and just starts burning and screaming, oh, and his God. skin and flesh and clothes all start to melt. And Obi-Wan shouts out that you were the chosen one and that you were like a brother to me and that he was meant to bring balance to the force. And he's like, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. And Anakin's just screaming, I hate you. Ah. Um, And he's on fire. I'm aghast in this, Alex. I'm like just completely from the point where you have Yoda's. I mean, weirdly, the thing that's upsetting me most, I think, is the Yoda situation where he's clearly doing fine. And then he actually gets the upper hand almost for a second, and then he just decides to run away, and then it's the only options to go into exile. Mm -hmm. There's all this stuff going on. There's things he doesn't know what's going on at the moment with Anakin and Obi Wan and all that stuff, and he's just like, I have to go into exile. Like, and it's just so forced to try and lead into why he ends up on uh, for Return Jedi, and it just it doesn't make any sense. It really upsets me how they treat his character. And then getting to this stuff, like, you're cutting from that to Obi-Wan and Anakin jumping on CGI, like, floating robots in lava. And it's just, oh, it just reminds me of that factory scene in Attack of the Clones, where it's just like, did they even know what they were doing when they're acting this scene? Did you just make this up in post, George? Because it just looks so weird. And then you get to that ending, and like you say, it's, it's kind of a, it's a really dumb way for him to go out. And then he doesn't even kill him. He's like, he's like you, and it pulls my heartstrings for a second. Like it does manage it, just because you and I think this is the best bit of acting you and does, potentially in all three films where he's trying to like really like you, you and my brother, and I loved you and all this stuff. But then he doesn't even kill him. It's like he just leaves him to burn to death on a rock with no <laughs> limbs, bleeding out. And he's like giving this heartfelt thing that he just walks off. He's like, I loved you and my brother. All right, see you later. Bye. <laughs> just walks off. It's like you would kill him. Die a painful death. You would kill him. It just, it doesn't make any sense. Nothing that's happening here. They keep using music and imagery and words to try and pull at my heart. And occasionally it works, but never for legitimate reasons. Mm-hmm. Just manipulative ones. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, this imagery, this imagery is horrible. It is. Like seeing him burning there. Yeah, it's horrible. Like. It's not, it's, you know, it's horrible imagery. And it's, it annoys me <laughs> that they're going to try and make me feel something now with this kind of imagery. Yeah, Obi-Wan does leave him. He takes his lightsaber and just lets, his, lets him burn and then picks up Padme and, and leaves. Uh, at this point, the Emperor arrives 
and he finds Anakin and he goes and sits beside his burnt body. And then we cut to a secret base in an asteroid field where Yoda is meditating and is told that Obi-Wan's arriving. And the Emperor takes Vader back to Coruscant. And so at this point, we have again two intercutting scenes, basically. The two births, basically. Birth of Vader and the birth of Luke and Leia. Padme's dying and it's revealed that she's carrying twins. She names the boy Luke and she names the girl Leia. But why is she dying? Why? Oh, yeah. So that's the thing. They say the medical doctor comes out and he's like, she's in perfect health, but she's dying. She just so. lost the will to live. That's right. She's lost the will to live. That's right. Oh, that's just it. She just lost the will to live. So uh, we should get these babies out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, out. I'm done. Just get these babies out. <laughs> oh, my God. As Haruka was sitting next to me and she said to me, I don't understand the Jedi they clearly do have doctors because we're finally seeing that a doctor exists in this universe. How could no one tell that she had twins? We know that people have twins now. Yeah. And they're a mm-hmm. far advanced society to ours. Yeah. It's, uh, that, that's a surprise to people is shocking. Yeah. We also cut and see Vader getting rebuilt, his arms getting attached, him like screaming in pain and uh, all the limbs get attached. Um, and then we cut to the, I guess the I iconic shot from this film of from the side sort of close of vader's head as the mask is is attached we sort of also get a point of view from anakin's eyes as he starts to see through vader's like red lens and then the mask is slowly attached and the vader breathing starts carter my housemate was saying that like that shot looks like an apple commercial and we joked that once the the hat (laughs) once the once the helmet is attached you'd hear they're like like the apple boot up sound (laughs) and then the breathing would start and just before Padme dies she tells Obi-Wan that there's still good in Anakin this next bit Vader Vader now fully masked rises from the operating table that he's been rebuilt on he's cuffed to it for some reason (laughs) and he asks for Padme but the Emperor says... Is uh, Padme Anakin, okay? Yeah, and he says... Uh, the Emperor tells him that in, that in his rage, he killed her. And this sends Vader into like a force rage. Things start crumpling and droids get destroyed around him. He pulls, yanks off his cuffs on his arms and screams out, No! Which was horrible when I first saw it and is just as bad now. Why? Suddenly in James Earl Jones' voice, by the way. Let's not overlook that. As soon as the mask goes on, suddenly he speaks like someone, like a a man twice his age who is black. It just, it's so fucking weird. And then he's still like trying to act like whiny anarchy. Yeah, with like, is Padme all right? Is she okay? It's, It's so weird to see. This villain, this iconic villain in this light. Baffling. Yeah, and I find it really weird that he's being rebuilt and was lying down and, and tied to the table the whole time. Yet his cape is already on and perfectly on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. They dressed him up exactly how they want. He's been planning this for a long time. He's been the Emperor's been very excited about his new action figure he's gonna get to play with. He's got the helmet, he's put it on, put in the new voice operation. So like when they, I don't know if you remember in the trailer for this, Alex, but apparently when he's fitted with the helmet and then he breaks free, Lucas decided in in post, like right at the end, that he wanted to change the position of Vader's arms. 
Uh, and in the original trailers, they're above him. Um, and he's chained up, essentially. Right. Mm. And he decided, for no real reason, in a typical Lucas fashion, of no, they should be down. So they yeah. had to CGI them down. And then there's this really weird, just it looks so fucking strange when you see them, when he's breaking free from the bonds as it kind of transitions from computer generated into the real ones from when they're like stretched out. It's so janky and strange to look at. And as usual, has no reason. And I think his inspiration for that, it was meant to be like the birth of Frankenstein's monster. Oh yeah, and it looks very much like Frankenstein monster. His arms yeah. come out and he walks in a stilted fashion and it's... Mm-hmm. It, and I don't mean that in a positive way. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. <laughs> a really stupid, stupid, stupid scene. And then we go back to the Tantive Four returns to the Naboo. Yoda senses that the door says that the children must be hidden and split up. Bail Organa says that he'll adopt Leia, that him and his wife want a child. Uh, and Luke uh, gets the short end of the straw and is sent back to Tatooine. The place that made his father so angry in the first place. I hate sand. <laughs> yeah, Luke is sent to Tatooine to be with Aunt Brew and Uncle Owen. Um, and Obi-Wan promises to watch. Who he isn't really related to at all. Yeah, they're, he's, yeah, they're like his step yeah. aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. And Yoda says that the Jedi will have to disappear um, until the time is right. But then Yoda tells Obi-Wan that he has to go into hiding uh, while he's in hiding He's got some like training exercise for him, and he's like, "What?" Um, and it's revealed that Qui Gon learned the path to immortality—that sweet, sweet immortality that Anakin was going for—and that Obi Wan will will begin to learn to communicate with him. So, is that immortality like the spirits that we see? It's not physical immortality. Yeah, I mean that's what I guess. Yeah, and that's why you don't see Jedi just disappear when they die in any of these. Mm. Okay. So which, because I remember, and I forgive me if we've missed it, but when at some point when those originals seen Qui-Gon Jinn as a spirit in one of them, and I don't remember us covering that in this series so far. And we've run out of places that that could be, haven't we? Or have we not? Is it coming? I don't think he's. we ever see Qui-Gon Jinn as a spirit. Okay. We yeah, only hear his on. voice from the, the other world, like when he's trying to tell Anakin to stop killing the uh, Tusken okay. Raiders. So, yeah, that, again, is trying to, like, tie in that whole thing of, well, why are they spirits in the original trilogy and why do they disappear? So mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. the lore of that is that they've gained this knowledge through Qui-Gon. And then there's also a very deliberate moment where I think Bail Organa orders the droids to be wiped. Yep. Just, just no so reason. there's no continuity issues in the originals. Yeah. And Amidala's body is carried through the Naboo as people... Uh, has her people mourn her but with a still pregnant body to make it seem like she never had the babies is that what it is oh that's a really good point (laughs) well yeah i was looking at this and i was like yeah i know some girls you still will i mean you still do look a bit pregnant after birth, but i don't know if you look that That pregnant pregnant. like she still looked heavily pregnant so i don't i don't really understand yeah yeah oh i guess that was the implication that she died with the babies so that the siths don't ever know that those babies were born yeah that's but true, yeah. he does know in the first trilogies, right? Yeah, that's true. He does know. At know. least about one. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Their pregnant belly prop for uh, Natalie Portman was awful. Like, there's a bit, I think, when, when Obi-Wan gets her back on the ship after the lightsaber battle. 
Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's lumpy and crooked. And then it's just like, a, it looks like he just put in a cardboard box and it kind of like points up and then points back down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, the Naboo mourn her. We cut to a Star Destroyer where the Emperor and Vader are looking out over the construction of the Death Star. And Grand Moff Tarkin, who was played by Peter Cushing, but not in this scenario, is like standing uh, next well, to him. Well, they have a CGI face as he turns around at one point. Like there's yeah. a very early, what we're going to see in a couple of movies time, mm-hmm. <laughs> a very early version of that. Yeah, I, I thought that little, I liked the little Tarkin reference and I'll get into my Tarkin feelings when we get to the next one. <laughs> And at this point, Bail Organa returns to Alderaan with the new baby, and Obi-Wan leaves Luke with Beryl and Owen as we see the dual sons of Tatooine and the score. Sweeps us up into the end credits. Finn. I think you mean as we see see a green screen. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up as quick as... I mean, I want to cover everything, but let's go quick because I know Christina's got to get out of here. I, yeah, just, I really hate, I hate this ending on the ship. I hate seeing the Death Star being built. I hate that yet again, we have to have the Death Star coming into these movies. And mm-hmm. how long have they been building this for then? Because could I write down, I was like, oh, okay, this must be a while later that we're getting this shot. But no, the babies are still just being delivered <laughs> at that point. So it's like, what, a week later maximum? And they've already built that much of the Death Star. And they have all of their, like, Empire ships up in space, like, ready for a new hope it just it's i don't it doesn't work for me at all i don't like it it feels too forced to try and drag you straight into the next movie all right so quickly the film originally in the original screenplay had a very different ending which actually made padme useful mm. so in the original ending when padme goes to mustafa to see anakin uh, padme whom no longer loves anakin and she tells him uh, realized it was that it was all a fast and she's realized how evil anakin has become so she decides to take action against him and she comes to Mustafa to actually to kill him. She takes a knife in her hands and holds a knife to his neck, but then she can't bring in herself to do it. And Anakin leaves and Separus arrive minutes later and Padme begins the rebellion to overthrow him. And that, that would have been starts, cool. I guess. Yeah. That would have been like, just to see her being actively more... I mean, I'm sure they still would have fucked it up, but it was, it's a much more proactive role for her to play, mm-hmm. which I would have enjoyed. And just the last couple of facts about the movie quickly... There are over 2,200 visual effects in this movie, more than either of the other two prequels. Just for contrast, A New Hope had 350 effects. Wow. There was no live-action location filming during principal photography at all. But there was some post-production filming done in Thailand, Switzerland, and China to give background plates, mostly for the Wookiee planet. And the colors of the film were inspired by the paintings of Mark Rothko, which is why there's a lot of black and red in this movie. I just realized that some scenes were cut. I didn't realize this watching it now that I remember we're in the theater. One is Padme, uh, Bail Organa, and Mon Mothma, who we see a lot of, uh, or we see in Return of the Jedi and in uh, Rogue One later, having a meeting basically forming the very sort of early parts of the rebellion. The alliance, and also Yoda arriving on Dagobah. Oh, was that in the original cut and they taken it out? Yeah, because, and then the whole thing was, was that the pod that he lands on Dagobah kind of forms with, was like the base of his hut, basically. So his oh hut, God. he had turned into, yeah. Because we have to have Again. the origin of his hut, of the hair, exactly. of everything. But that one was cut, yeah. That's a weird thing to take out. All right. 
So, Christina, you haven't been that vocal. I definitely know that you look disgruntled for a lot of this film, and you said that the latter half you you were angry about. But can you tell us your feelings for this movie, please, in as much detail as you have time for? <sighs> well, I really was like this one. I was just so bored in the beginning. I was just like fighting, 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 bored. I'm so bored, so bored. <laughs> and then you know, and then I just got angry. I do got to say that this is probably <laughs> out of this trilogy, these three, this is my least favorite. Interesting. Yeah. It's- and it was just really, the second half was just so upsetting. I was just so like, why? I was just so upset. I didn't like watching it. Just maybe, I don't know. I don't know what else to say, guys. It's just the decisions they're making then with the characters to tie it in. I mean, were you appreciating at least they're trying to tie into the original trilogy or would you rather they just hadn't bothered and they just left more things out? No, I mean, even though I was angry for the second half, it was like, oh, I like, it was interesting to see how they tied it into the, to the first trilogy and to see everything come together, I guess, basically. But I just wish there was more... Um, purpose and reasoning behind it with the characters and motivation you know i felt like mm-hmm. a lot of things were just off so it wasn't justified so let me ask you if we had watched these films the way george lucas wants us to watch them which is one two three and then the original, oh really do you think you would have been excited to get to the next one see i wonder like and i wonder how it would be to watch these three first and then to watch the first trilogy after and especially with like the the times that they were filmed you know the era i wonder what it would feel like i wonder if i would like the first three more or less we could have done that with you yeah we we should (laughs) have I was worried you might have lost the will to live before we got to part four, so I wanted to do that. But them. I wonder, I wonder if I would like it more or less. Yeah. Huh. If there's I don't less know. to compare we'll it never to, know. to contrast it to, to judge it against. Mm-hmm. You know, do you get to a new hope and Empire Strikes Back and like, oh, they're, they're too much fun. Like, there should be more politics. I know, these. they're so more- fun. Where's the CGI lava? <laughs> <laughs> but now I do... 100% understand how you were saying before how uh, this trilogy is the fans' least favorites. Because mm-hmm. it's definitely... Of a certain generation, though, it seems. Oh, now. really? I mean, yeah. 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 I don't That's know. That's a good face you're pulling right but now. But maybe Christine. if you make that certain generation rewatch it now, currently. Just like how, yeah. you know, like Haruka and Tanro were like, oh, yeah, those are the good ones. Well, yeah, I mean, and to call out people, like, yeah, I think people's memories of these things. And I think the thing is that it had such a backlash. People hated them so much. Then people, some people swing the pendulum the other way, you know, to try and defend them. We have a friend of the podcast who's a great critic in Canada called uh, Craig. And he was, uh, I was talking to him last night, actually, about the fact that we're doing this retrospective. And he was saying, oh, people are overly mean to those original prequels. There's a lot of good things in there that people don't kind of acknowledge. And I'm hoping we've been fair. Like, I'm hoping we have acknowledged these. I certainly came into these with open arms. But I would be interested if those people go back. And I don't know when Craig last watched them. But those people who say that stuff, like Karuka and Tamro, I feel when you go back, you might feel differently. Maybe you won't. But, like, I, I do think, yeah, there's a generation who grew up with this and they'll have a fondness to it because of that. But 
I think objectively it's hard to argue that these three films are better than the original ones. I was excited yeah. to watch these three films too because I like Natalie Portman and this is kind of more of like my, when I was growing up so I kind of like remember seeing it in my childhood just like, you know, whatever mm-hmm. on TV or bits and pieces here and there. So I felt like I was going to connect more to these but no. <laughs> no <laughs> no alex i've absolutely and i mean it i've no idea which way you're swinging now on this you've been so good with your poker face you've gotten into a regime now where you just basically you feed us the story and me and christina remark on it and you'll occasionally say something but you're not showing your hand <laughs> tell me please is this still well, your favorite of the prequels yeah it's still my favorite of the prequels but it this is? whole experience <laughs> but 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 what this whole experience has done, I think, has clarified a lot of my perspective on the prequels, looking at them as a whole. You know, there's bits in this film that I really like just as a Star Wars fan because it sort of expands a bit on the mythology and the lore, which I really like. But coming out of it, coming out of this film, I realized that yeah, for the second half, or for maybe like the opera scene onwards, the bits that you really hated, Christina, are the bits that I enjoy purely because it's what I wanted from the prequels. I wanted to see yeah. the downfall of Anakin and the transformation to Darth Vader. Now, whether that was executed well or not is debatable. I mean, some of it's really poor and some of it's super hammy, and, but ultimately like that's what I wanted to see. However, the issue with the prequels is, and I think you brought this up a couple of times over these last few podcasts out, compared to the originals, is that you never get a sense of wanting to be on an adventure with these characters. You never want to be with them and hang out and see what they, how they are challenged and get through these different obstacles. You know, it's hard to like them. And so also when you get to the end of Revenge of the Sith now, you actually don't you don't mourn the loss of Anakin. And that could have been so much more powerful. Like to mourn the loss of him and the transformation and and to know who he becomes. Like it doesn't happen. It doesn't carry that weight. It isn't, as you said before, it isn't earned. None of it is earned because we haven't gone through a, a series of films where we're like, yes, we're with these guys a hundred percent of the way. And like because also there's no subtlety in like creating the depth to these characters. It's like, we're going to give you all the context and the subtext and the depth of these characters by having them label it and say it, and we're going to show it. And it's like, so I get to the end of Revenge of the Sith and I find it really hard to kind of mourn the loss of Anakin, but I still enjoy it because ultimately that was the part of the story that I wanted to see. And it makes me look at, the prequel series and wish that it had just been told in one kind of standalone film and told in a in a tighter kind of more cohesive way what i wanted to see because a lot of it like i found so irrelevant and useless so yeah i still enjoyed chunks of this film i still kind of because of that sense of like well this is the, this is the part of the story that i want but but i can certainly like I said, have more clarity now over the prequels as a whole and just think, but none of it was like he, he had a target and he really, really missed. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, no, but all right. 
no, it, you've answered so like it's very hard for me to. I want to. I understand everything you're saying, and you've put it so well in terms of you understanding where the failings are, but where your enjoyment of it still comes from. That it's impossible to argue <laughs> with. But I want to argue <laughs> with you because everything you said, I feel the exact opposite for. Like it's okay. So I'll say this in credit to the film. I agree with you in that this is the only film of the prequels that's necessary if you're looking for Star Wars story. Like, this is the only one that really tells you all those things that you'd expect a prequel to tell you. And they cram it into one film when really this could have been like a couple or all three films to show the journey that is really just in this one movie. So I get that this, if you had to see one as a Star Wars fan for Star Wars lore, this is the one for sure. Like, this is the one that deals with all those things and sets up all of those things. I just hate all of that so much. I partially hate that they feel the need to tell me everything. So I don't even want to be told all of these things. But I also, even if I did, I just hate how they handle it all in this movie. I started off for the first half of this liking it more than Attack of the Clones. And I do think it's better than Attack of the Clones professionally. But then as soon as we have that change, as soon as we have that moment when the Chancellor becomes the Emperor in a scene which I'm not even joking, we had watched it three times because it was just dying with laughter with how bad it was. It's just all falls apart for me to a point where I don't even, it's just terrible. Just really, really bad. Just, I don't even know how else to put it. And all the forced setups are just really frustrating and upsetting to me. The question for me boils down to, do I hate it more than Attack of the Clones? That's the question. And it's really hard for me to say because Attack of the Clones just doesn't matter. It's just, it's not a necessary movie. Oh, come on. It's, it's, <laughs> no, but I mean, it doesn't do anything that's necessary for the story. Nothing happens really in Attack of the Clones. And it angered me more than this film for so many reasons, <laughs> the love story in particular. So there were moments in this that I enjoyed and I really struggled to find a single moment. I think I found one line of dialogue in Attack of the Clones that I liked and everything else I hated. There were moments in this that I enjoyed. There were mo that opening star fight is pretty cool. I think Ewan McGregor puts a lot more effort into things. There are hints of things here and there. I quite like Yoda's exhaustion in this movie. You could just feel he's kind of like, he's. I feel like he's looking at the series himself and just going, oh, what if, <laughs> uh, what? I gotta go in exile, I'm done. But the problem is is that everything that i don't like about this movie matters more to the star wars universe so this one annoys me more in that everything it's doing is important like everything it's saying yeah, is really yeah. important and i don't like how it's handling any of those things so i hold this one accountable more for sure because what it's doing is upsetting me more in the lore but as an actual movie i think this is a better movie than attack of the clones and also just to clarify when i say when I say the lore and stuff, I don't mean like the very nest, like the very forced and deliberate tie-ins to a new hope. Cause I think there's a lot yeah. of those, which are too obvious, like, and it too yeah, kind yeah. of seem like we need to tie the threads together just before we get to that. Yeah. But I just like the kind of more externally kind of backstory stuff about the fall of the Jedi. No, I understand. And I understand and i'm not like a super fan like you so i like i don't care as much i just want a good film basically yeah yeah and for me i don't get it here at all i think this is a terrible movie i really do not as terrible as attack of the clones so professionally and the problem for me and i this is my last comment on it is that you, this was 2005 and this was the year that we got serenity 
which was the movie finale to the Firefly TV show. And that was, I had so many friends of mine, including myself, who went to see that movie and we were like, that was the Star Wars film we wanted to see. Like that was the sense of adventure and fun that the originals had. And it took them 10 years after this movie till we got another live action film uh, with The Force Awakens. And between that time, we had Serenity the same year as this. And then the year before The Force Awakens, we had Guardians of the Galaxy. And you can certainly argue both of those films are more comedic than Star Wars should ever be. But the charm was there and the characters were there, the practical effects were there. Mm-hmm. And for me, both of those movies are far, far, far superior to anything that we got here with the prequels. So to have Serenity that same year as this was very difficult for me as stark contrast. I mean, I will go as far as saying that, yeah, George Lucas, I mean, almost killed his own, killed his own baby, basically. Yeah. Like, I will respect his his position as director and writer to, to fulfill his vision, but boy, did he almost, well, he pretty much killed it. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's wrap this up. It would be three more years till we'd get another Star Wars movie that would hit cinemas. It was limited. It was the Clone Wars prequel to the TV show, the CGI one, not the 2D one that I've been talking about that had just come out before this. So it's all going to get complicated, but we'll get into it next episode. In 2008, oh boy, I've been your host on all this. Oh no, wait, 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 wait. Go to wearegeeks.com, please. Wearegeeks.com, you can branch out to iTunes. All of our podcasts, we've got uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 that's just finished. We're in the middle of Child's Play right now with me and Alex. We've done Friday 13th tonight on Elm Street. All the horror ones go up every single Friday. Every Friday, there's a horror podcast that goes up covering a different franchise. And every Tuesday, we have a weekly podcast simply called Geeks, where we talk about topical movies and game stuff. And also on Weird Geeks, you can branch out to our Twitch. You can email us through there and to our publishing company, weirdtessellate.com. And we're a production company run out of London, LA, and Tokyo. We're making movies. And we're just making the first one Starfish right now. And you can learn all about that on our weekly podcast and on our websites. I've been your host, Mr. Al White, on all the social medias. Alexander Chard. Yep, Alexander Chard on Twitter and Instagram. Let me know your thoughts and feelings, especially if you're uh, super fans. Or if you've seen anyone propose at a premiere of a Star Wars film. <laughs> yeah, if you've seen anyone say no to a proposal at a premiere <laughs> of a Star Wars film, I want to know about it. Because did she get just mauled? <laughs> Darth mold. <laughs> Christina. Underscore hi, Christina on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much, Christina, for getting through these movies. I appreciate it. Thank lot. you, uh, Al. I'd like to say it's going to get a lot better, but you've still got the Clone Wars to get through. So we'll see <laughs> if your anger continues in the next <laughs> podcast. Until then, we are out. Geeks. 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 <laughs>